Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. Oh, man, we've been messing around with the intros, and we just got caught off guard. Good thing I wasn't, you know, doing anything inappropriate besides just about to take a sip of the gifted Simon Lazat crush juice from, let's bring him in, Evan in studio with us. How's uh, it going? Stat Mando. Thanks for this crush juice, man. Yeah, you're welcome. I picked it up at a store and was like, oh, let me get a little bit extra. I've, give it out to people. I've never had one before. <laughs> They're hard to find. Yeah, I, least. I, I was looking for about a week or two. It came out like a month ago, I think, okay. and finally snagged him. All right, well, episode go. 88, Nick, welcome to the show. You're back in Virginia. Mm-hmm. I am. So we didn't have a show last week. I heard it was a big one, but it didn't happen, and I think... You know, people had a good fun time with it last week, and uh, the show's canceled, and Calvin wins. Is this a mm-hmm. coincidence? And uh, the answer is actually yes. It, it's a massive coincidence. Humorous as it is, it came down to me being away, which is we had already planned that out. But then at home, there was an outbreak of COVID-related illness. And there was no way I was asking Ben and Evan to come in the studio. Come on, boys, do it for the show. It just could not happen. It's unfortunate. And uh, we tried to line Calvin up tonight. No lie. So it's not that we're trying to avoid him. It's just not going to work out. All right. So uh, Calvin won. Big deal. That was back in Jonesboro. That's a whole topic we'll probably get to at some point. I've been traveling. I played Nick. Have you ever played Waterworks in Kansas City? Nope. I've never been out to Kansas. Oh, well, Kansas, well, this is the Missouri. That's right. The Missouri. Oh, yeah, side. Technic- yeah. Good there's point, sorry. Well, no, there's both. But Waterworks, yeah, is in Kansas City, Missouri it was super windy, gotcha. like 35 mile an hour winds. And I knew DDO was coming up. And I'm like to my brother and my dad, I said, just imagine this when they're playing DDO next week. And it was 100 percent that it was crazy. Uh, and then I played a course called Bad Rock Creek, and that's in Liberty, Missouri. And that was where they had Pro Master. So Waterworks had Worlds in 2009, I think, which Worlds at that course to me was kind of mind-blowing when I played it. I'm like, this is not Worlds level, but that was 2009 before the rush of disc golf. Bad Rock Creek Master Worlds was pretty cool. It's a good course. Long story short, then I made it out to Chicago, and I played the Canyons at Delwood. Have you seen that, Clash of the Canyons? Have you played there, Nick? Uh, I have not, not yet. That is a good looking course though. Okay. It was uh really fun. My buddy, I say buddy, I met him because of the show and he hit me up. Josh rude. He's a photographer. He worked for the pro tour for a while doing pictures. Um, and it was just a blast. It was fun playing out there. Really unique course. Very unique course. Check out the footage. If you've never seen it, it's, it's, you know how you've been to a course, Nick? And I'm just stuttering here because I got Simon texting me and I got to get back to him in a second. Yeah. But you've ever been to a course that you've seen in video and when you get there, it looks way different. Does any stand yeah, out to D- any of you D-Glow. guys? Any of you. Okay, Nick, tell us about it while I answer Simon. Well, so the year after Paul shot 18 down at D-Glow, um, I played D-Glow the following year in 2019. And the video doesn't do it justice when it comes to the elevation change. And it was insane how actually elevated that course was. And so a lot of courses I've noticed that where like, I'll see it on video and then I go out and play it. And I'm like, wow, that definitely the video doesn't do it as much justice. Okay. And I'm still texting. 
but that's okay. That's cool. We got Simon to jump on. Big event for Simon. <clears throat> it's going to be pretty fun drinking uh, his brewed beer and talking to him at the same time. And we'll see if we can get him in. Uh, he's been traveling all day. Like, I think he just got off the plane. <laughs> and uh, I think he even has guests. So if, he, if we get him on here, it's a big deal. We appreciate that. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and get back to the show structure here before Simon texted me. And let's talk about a fantastic product. It's called Hempfield Botanicals. Uh, and Hempfield Botanical is a CBD product that makes you feel better after rounds of disc golf. I have been playing, as you just heard, more disc golf than I have been in a long time. And I can feel it in my back, in my arms, and sadless, sad to say, in my right knee area. I think I've been, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to figure that out. But rubbing some of the salve, this little container here, the salve product that they have, it really helps feel better. Uh, this other one is more for your general aches and pains, like massage it into your muscles, and it's just going to be fantastic. You both just got some. What do you think about that? Either of you. It, this is both Ben and Evan. They just got well, their orders in. I'm an achy person, so <laughs> achy, I'm pretty. I'm stoked to get this. Uh, open it up. It smells fantastic. I got to get using it, so excited just to get to that and and hopefully just soothe my sores <laughs> soothe my sores i will say the chapstick here it smells really good and it's it like tastes really good if that makes any sense on it my lips tastes good it just feels good on my lips it's minty it's fresh I like oh, it. For a minute, I thought you were talking about the salve, and I was like, "You don't put the salve on your lips." But the no. uh, yeah, the chapstick. chapstick. Nick, what that used to be your favorite product. How do you feel now? The chap, the chapstick still is. When I got my other package, is actually right there. Oh, um, I use it all the time. Product display. I take the, the chapstick around, and uh, no, I, I mean every single day I'm out playing disc golf. I do a lot with my apparel business, and so I've been putting it. On my back, I put it on my ankles, not the chapstick, the salve and the uh, other lotion that we get. And uh, no, it's been awesome. I definitely love it. And the biggest thing for me is it smells incredible. So I really like that. And uh, sorry, I leaned off camera. And for me, I'm happy that it's in a different colored container. So I don't put the, the max wax on my lips anymore. It's a wonderful thing. So great product. We're so grateful. I don't think we said it, but 20% off is a big deal with this product. Go check it out. 20% off is a huge deal. Nick and Matt, as you see on screen, 20% off your order. They, I just, I'm not going to give full disclosure here, but they turned down a lot of ad offers this year. And they said, Nick and Matt is the best. No, I'm not saying the best show. I just mean like for them, the best opportunity to partner with us. Let's continue to show them that. This product is fantastic. Thank you, Hemfield Botanicals. All right, let's jump into it. Evan's going to give us a rundown of what happened this last weekend, and it's a lot, but let's see what Evan's bringing for us. Yeah, well, don't get blown over your in, uh, blown over in your seats with how windy these recaps are. Uh, that was kind of the tale of uh, the Dynamic Dis Open in Emporia. Very windy, especially in round three. There's tornadoes across Kansas. I don't know if people saw videos of that, so... I, I can't even imagine being there, just how how kind of tough the conditions were. But Kristen Tatar takes it down back-to-back -back Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite wins for Tatar. Tatar excuse me. That is the first, uh, not even the first time she's won back-to-back -back Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite uh, events. She did that last year at, I believe it was D-Glow and the Preserve. Uh, it, she is catching fire. She is heading back to Estonia now. 
I think she's going to be back until past the European Open, but like what a display of just dominance she had right at this end of the stretch. Very cool to see. Ricky Wysocki takes it down on the MPO side. Uh, pretty comfortable finish to him to finish it up. Gets his 15th Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite win. That's one short of Macbeth for the most in MPO. It's his 30th Elite Series and 36th Elite Series in major win. And he was leading by four strokes going to the final round. He is now 15 for 15 in Elite Series and major events when he leads by four strokes going into the four strokes or more into the final round. Gets it done 15 for 15 now. <laughs> Stats where you can have 100% of anything is it's good. It's good. All right, what else you got? It, I Maybe the biggest news out of this weekend besides the winners was Paul Macbeth misses the cut for the first time in his pro career. <laughs> 51st place, excuse me. The cut was 47 plus ties. Barely missed out on it. The windy round three maybe got to him. Wasn't able to kind of make up spots because he had a bad round two as well. Back-to-back sub-1,000 rated rounds. I thought you were going to forget about that one, but you didn't. This is not the place for us to break that down. Otherwise, Nick might start crying. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) This is not the place to break that stat down yet. We might get to it later. But but for the very short, concise version, that never having happened before, it was worth mentioning. And everyone's opinion on that is going to be different, but he missed it. Wow. And he didn't turn down an interview because we didn't ask him. I'm not sure that's one we wanted to ask for, but we'll see going forward. All right. Yeah. What else? I actually, well, oh, what's Nick. funny enough is okay. I, I actually almost, I almost texted him, but I know he's in Florida right now getting some stuff done down there. So I was 99% sure the answer probably would have been no. So I was like, I'm not even going to bother this week. <laughs> okay. Not even going to bother this week. And some big aces this week. Uh, People saw Jeremy Colings ace on hole 16. Chloe Alice also nailed it down during tournament play. And then Matt Bell hits the same ace, hole 16, the island hole, for $25,000 um, ace pot by uh, Eric versus Cancer. Uh, and then Blair Orn Askerson, I butchered that so bad, my apologies. He also got it in practice round. Uh, that's one of my favorite holes in disc golf, I will say that. We'll get to the rest of the course later. Uh, but what a fantastic hole and a lot of cool ace runs. Uh, check them out. Mm, that was another big deal. Uh, the ace $25,000. They just released the video. I don't have it here to show because I didn't ask permission. But I actually got goosebumps. It was it, the, the lead up to it is he's like was already planning on hitting it. Not quite. But he's like, when I hit it, if I do like 5,000 is going to my girlfriend's mom who just had her husband die from cancer i mean it's just really epic that was a big moment but all right cool what else do we got um a lot of ob strokes um in mpo the all four rounds in emporia ob strokes per player are the top four on the season for kind of the tour season um out of any rounds that beats lvc uh beats out um Jonesboro doesn't have too much OB, but it beats out every other event all in the top four for MPO and FPO rounds one and three were the top two. And the other two rounds were uh, fourth and fifth with LVC. One of the rounds there getting into the third spot. Uh, Shout out to Will at DG Statman for getting those to me. Uh, Super cool information. Um, That was kind of the, again, like I said, the tale of Emporia this year. It was very windy, new Jones Supreme layout, lots of OB, lots of decision-making to get the OB. Uh, and 
made an exciting weekend, whether you like it or don't like it, it did bring that excitement. Okay. I, I don't usually get stuck by the chat, but the chat was saying that Matt Bell split with Jeremy Colling. I do not think that's accurate. You're probably mistaking that with what I said, splitting or giving portion to his mom. But if that's breaking news, someone will have to confirm that for us. But well, I think so. I actually saw, I'm pretty sure Jordan Castro tweeted it. And I think there was a couple players who all kind of oh. like pulled in together saying, if one of us hits it, you that's know, right. you split it four five, six, seven, eight ways, depending on how many people yes. are kind of in this little pool. So I think that, I don't know if Jeremy Colling was in it, but there might have been a split between some friends. Just That's saying, right. Like, We've all done that, right? You step up to a big ace pot, like a big one, and you're like, yeah. hey, to increase our chances, let's let's say we'll split it if we hit it. Anyways, yeah. I'm sorry I got caught up on that. You're bringing some great info for us, uh, Evan. What else are we going to hear about? Uh, last kind of big tidbit I had was there was a f- uh, five-way tie for third place in MPO, which means seven players landed on the podium. That was Ricky Wysocki in first, Simon Lazat too, also finishing in second. We'll get to that more. Uh, and then a five-way tie for third um, with, let me just get the list of names right here. We had Aaron Gossage, Brody Smith, Jason Hebenheimer, Logan Harpool, and Vino Makala. That's seven podium place finishes the most ever for an elite series or major event having that many ties did you say brody smith as brody in? smith wow we uh worked for him for a little bit at the nick and matt show <laughs> shout out to i say work for him we partnered up with foundation they are doing a lot with podcast over there we are grateful to be a part of that we hit him up today and we said hey we know you got your own no i didn't quite pose it that way you got your own shows but we said we'd love to have you on the nick and matt show and he said i'm traveling i'm sorry boys so everybody's traveling today. Nick, why is that most likely? I mean, is it, it's more this week than any others, I feel like. Well, I think after what, three or four weeks in a row of Elite Series events and like six weeks in a row of just big competitive tournaments in that time frame, um, this is the first week off that players will actually get. I think the next Elite Series event is May 20th, and I think that's the OTB Open. So, I mean, players finally get a little chance to relaxed i know one of the big players who we tried to get on the show tonight is out in mexico right now hanging out uh players finally traveling home and all that stuff so i mean it's it's a well-deserved break for the players that are playing on the road every single weekend and week out and could it come at a better time for some of the players i know we're sick of hearing about covid no pun intended sick about it but this was yet another tournament and we're so far into covid now or will we ever be out of it I, i'm not the professional here but um because the pro tour announced it we know that matteo had to drop and he was doing well in the third round he was i think in the top 10 uh due to covid the positive test it, the protocol is matteo says i feel fine or at least minimal to negligible is how the pro tour put it but he had to drop out um and he's gonna have to be at least a certain amount of days out with positive uh, negative tests so he can play the next event yada yada but then we also heard um colton montgomery colton kona kona Mm -hmm. said she didn't know she didn't have a positive test but she was doing it out of the benefit of her card mates who are immune compromised um that's amazing it's a big event for her her new sponsor and uh who am i missing oh tristan tanner Tanner. thank you thank you Mm -hmm. uh ben Tristan Tanner, he was 
he was on a lot of the card coverage for the the live rounds, yeah. and then all of a sudden you hear he's out of it. Like, uh, I tried to get Jeff Spring on tonight. He didn't actually get back to me. Oh, that guy, <laughs> he's a big <laughs> shot now. Um, but I wanted to ask about things like that. Will that be a forever thing? And he'd he'd be political and say we'll just play it as it comes. Um, but I was going to ask him about the schedule as well, Nick, as you brought it up three or four weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the whole season so far has just been slammed. Anyone who talks disc golf has not had any lack of topics to talk about. Yeah, I was going to ask him if that's something we expect every year. Anyways, there's a lot happening. Um, Simon is going to join us in a few minutes here, or that's the plan. And so that's cool. Everyone get pumped. We didn't have that in the show notes uh, for sure. Um, so a lot happening. I think in a minute, I will bring up a topic after Simon where we talk a little bit about Kristen Tatar. Is she the queen of the FPO? And I don't mean just with this win. I'm going to give you some stats that I came up with and I'm going to try to sell to stat Mando. <laughs> and um, no, I'm kidding about that, but is, is she? So that'll be something. Bring your, your thinking caps, everybody, and work through these stats with me when we get there. And um, I, there's a, there's a lot to talk about tonight. I will say that. We've got David Wiggins Jr. How many of you, by raise of hands, I'm sorry, the, the chat can't raise their hands unless they get creative here. By raise of hands, know who David Wiggins Jr. is. Uh, ben, are you raising your hand over there? No. No. I, I know he's a world record distance holder, but other than that, I don't, I don't know much. Where are you, him. Ben? I'm at the DDO block party still, living it up, <laughs> living my dreams. Oh, my goodness. That's every week we'll find him in a different place. If you're not watching live, he was in, like, yeah, some club dance party behind him. Yeah. We can see on our control room panel that Simon Lazat has entered the green room. Simon, can you hear us? Give us a thumbs up or something? Yeah? Okay, cool. So it looks like we're ready to go. Uh, we're going to try to be very true to our time. He's a very busy person, as I told you, everything that's going on. But we had to have him on. We just had to. So welcome to the show, Simon Lazat. I am enjoying. Do you see this? What this is? Is it clear enough? You're having that? Oh my God. Nice. This is a good show. Welcome, <laughs> Simon Lazat. I'm drinking your crushed juice. Uh, so we're friends. I feel formal asking you. So tell us, but like second place at DDO, first you were on the ground. Tell us what the experience was like. And then tell us what this means to you taking a second place. Yeah. So um, my game obviously is showing a pretty nice upward trend, which I've been enjoying. And Wakeway was at 60th, then I got 30th in Augusta and then sixth in Jonesboro and now second uh, in Emporia. So, I mean, I can't really complain about that. The week was crazy. I mean, Jonesboro was already windy, but that was nothing compared to what we had to go through in in Emporia. It was, I would say it def- was the craziest win I've ever played in, in three consecutive rounds. Mm-hmm. And round three was just absolutely insane. Like... it was basically unplayable as it was as close to unplayable as it gets with still barely being playable yeah but no i'm super stoked with second place of course nice talk to us about your game plan in those kind of unplayable conditions like you're talking about what are you focusing on where are you trying to land your shots all that stuff yeah so right after jonesboro um, monday was a travel day of course we drove five hours up to st louis and then on tuesday we played 
Eagles Crossing skins match, which I think will drop today or tomorrow on GK Pro, if I would guess. So that I would every, rec- recommend everyone to go check that out with me, Brody Smith, and Calvin Heinberg, and Scott Stokely. Craziest skins match I've ever been a part of. It was pretty hilarious, but definitely <laughs> worth the watch. And so I got to Emporia on Tuesday night, which means I had Wednesday to practice and then Thursday to tournament started. And that meant I really, with my arm right now, and I'm getting old, so I'm not playing multiple rounds a day, especially on courses like that. It's rough. I mean, I mean, Nick, you know, those courses, you don't really want to play multiple rounds a day on those freaking bomber courses. So I played around at the Supreme layout at Jones, which was all new to me, which because I I'd never even played Jones Gold because I missed out last year with my injury. Um, and that course, I mean, it's tough enough without wind. And with the wind, there's no game plan. You just throw the most able, overstable disc you have and try to somehow land between the lines because there's lines all over that place. And the putting is completely out of the window. You just try to get your upshots as close as possible and everything outside of 15 feet is pretty much impossible. And if it goes in, you're like, how the heck did that go in? And Emporia Country Club, of course, I've played a handful of times. I, I played, a, I will say, like blind um, last week because I didn't get a practice round in, but I've played most of those holes before. There were a handful of changes, but nothing like too crazy. And I guess, I don't know, the windier it gets, the less putting plays a factor, which I guess that's why the leaderboard looked a bit unique, I'd call it. No, it's a perfect word for it. Uh, What do you think of the Jones Supreme? What do you think of that course in and of itself? Brand new one, it's going to be for Worlds in a couple months. What do you think? I don't want to judge it right now because I've played it only in 25 plus mile an hour winds. And I don't think any course would be very appealing uh, like that. But it, it was extremely long, extremely challenging. Um, but I mean, it's fine. I mean, we play those courses all the time. So, okay. That, I mean, that's a, that's a interesting response because what I'm hearing, and this is someone who talks disc golf, I was hearing, we didn't really learn anything per se for worlds. Does that feel kind of true? I would say that's pretty true. Okay. Yeah. I bet there's a, there's going to be another handful of changes before worlds and the weather, I think is going to make it make a huge difference. Okay. Cause the courses were literally close to unplayable. Like it, it was not normal <laughs> disc golf. This is another question I thought up and your opinion matters because you're you, but you don't have a big say in this. If the wind was like, you've thrown distance competitions, but if the wind was like 60, 70 mile an hour gust, I mean, is that deemed unplayable Would the pro tour, the PDGA say like, no, like we're postponing because of wind. Is that in the rules anywhere? No, 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 no wind. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it should be or not, but it just changes obviously completely everything because discs are so much affected by the wind, but Mm. I don't think we would ever, call a tournament because of wind it mm-hmm. it's i shouldn't say unplayable really it was playable but just different st- different games <laughs> yeah. i have kind of a silly question because i know a ton of people are going to want to know this but you created or helped create a very 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 overstable disc did the tail come out at all at this tournament you know what i actually forgot to pack it before the <laughs> before the trip so i didn't even have it in my bag I had a splice in my bag, which I think I threw once the entire tournament. My FD3 Doombird was 
probably my most thrown discs, uh, just right next to my metal flake, no, not metal flake, Lester PD2 and a C-Line PD2 and then a handful of DD3s I threw out there. But I think I threw like four discs total for the tournament. That, yeah. that Not even exaggerating by too much. It's like four or five discs, that's it. Just take your G-Series back out there and, you know, play what feels like a casual round. It would have been enough because you throw some overstable forehands, some overstable backhands, and then you try to somehow lay up your putt. Mm-hmm. And you've been playing pretty consistently. You play Champions Cup, Jonesboro, and then now this one. How's the elbow feeling? Are you going to rehab it a little bit? You know, How are you feeling body-wise? Yeah, so I don't know what exactly happened, but I'll get back to your question in one second. I've been playing. I was doing – I did this – 30-minute vlog for Champions Cup. I don't know if you guys checked that oh, out. but I, Every minute of it. Every minute. Oh, it was nice. awesome, Simon. Yeah, it was. I, I was happy with it, and I got a lot of positive feedback. I tried to do the same thing for Jonesboro, and after round one, I got so frustrated with my game that I quit the vlog. Like It was at a point where I was like, I'm just not going to vlog this anymore because I'm just too frustrated and too... Just, I don't know. I just felt like... Oh, I can't deal with this right now. So I stopped vlogging. The next day I shot a 1096 or what? 1093 rated round. 13 down. And uh, finished the tournament decent, sixth place, got my first top 10 in a while. And then I didn't vlog at all at the DDO <laughs> and I no. finished in second place. So right now I'm like, I mean, we always knew that doing video production, vlogging, or having other things in your mind and to do during a tournament week, obviously most likely is not going to help. Um, but of course, it's part of my job. I like doing it, and it's fun for the fans and for myself too. So I want to do it, but I don't know if it's worth, if it actually causes me to perform worse, if it's worth it. I just, I need to keep investigating that. And then, Nick, your question, the body, mm-hmm. for some reason, round one at Jonesboro, it was like the worst it's been in a long time, and I messaged you see my boss and was like, I don't know what to do. I think I need like try some stem cell therapy or something. Cause it was like hurting every shot and it was so frustrating. And then the next day I went uh, to a chiropractor and he like cracked my shoulder a bit and he put some KT tape on my arm and I just took it a bit, actually not a bit, but much more easy after that, because I was at like a, such a low point. I just shot a bad round. I quit the vlog. My arm was hurting. So I just was like, I'm not going to throw hard at all anymore. And ever since round two at Jonesboro, it, it barely has, like, it hasn't really bothered me at all since then. So mm-hmm. right now, for the last five tournament rounds, six tournaments I've played, it's felt really good. Yeah. Well, the, you have people in Short the chat answer. lining up right now yeah. saying, we'll be your camera guy. Everyone will, they'll probably pay you to be the camera, like them to be the camera guy. Um, so. I'm thinking as somebody who has a wife and kids and now you have a fiance and you have your first son, you're traveling. This season has really picked up for you. We appreciate you taking the time to come here in the last minute. Do you feel like it's too personal to say, like, how has it been for you? Like going out and doing this? Do you miss? uh, That's a stupid question. Do you miss them? Like, is that playing in your (laughs) mind at all? I mean, of course, luckily with today's technology, with FaceTime and everything and sending photos back and forth like 100 a day it's like probably much easier than it used to be not that long ago and everyone who has kids knows that the first couple of weeks or even months of a baby's <laughs> life are tough like 
of course, every baby is going to be a bit different, but it's definitely hard work and not easy 24 seven kind of job. And so the fact that I have the, the luxury to go on a trip is kind of like a vacation, even though it's my job, it feels like a vacation <laughs> off the baby duty, which mm-hmm. is definitely more nice than it's not nice. I, of course I miss them and I'm, I was super happy to come back home today and see them and hang out for a night before I drive to Vermont tomorrow for three nights. But that's, that's just part of the life and that's what we signed up for. So it's, it's all right. Okay. Very cool. Well, we hit the 10 minute mark and I'm being true to that. Simon will not believe the fact that we can do a 10 minute interview. We've come a long way. I'm mind blown. I feel like I barely said anything. Even though <laughs> yeah, 10 minutes is pretty quick. Straight. Now Simon goes, no, keep me longer. No, we're, we're cutting it. We want to make him so he wants to come back. So this is what we're doing. Uh, we appreciate it, Simon, very, very much. And in fact, you're a good luck charm for the show in a lot of ways. We Calvin Heimberg just responded to us. He's coming on after you, and we didn't plan that. So that's going to oh, be pretty cool. Oh, let's go. So you're the there pre-show. I'm sorry to say it, but you're the pre-show, Calvin. So. I love it. For Calvin, I love being the pre-show. Awesome. All right, dude, we appreciate it. I'm going to enjoy this uh, beer here again. Thanks for having that made. And you know you started me on the beer journey. Sorry, but. Oh, this way. Oh, there's the pool table. Pool time. All right, man. Pool time. Enjoy. All right. Talk to you later. All right, guys. Take it easy. All right. Bye. All right. So should we be saying billiards time? Like, is that the politically correct way of saying it, actually? Billiards time. Yeah. So we're we're kind of scrambling here in a good way. Ben's going to work on getting the name in there for Calvin. I'm going to work on getting Calvin the link that he needs. So let me go ahead and do that. Um, Let's see. Did you give I'm asking out loud technical questions. No, I don't even know what I'm asking now. Let me go ahead and just do this way. This is this is a live show, everybody. So I'm going to send this link over to Calvin, and let's see if he can get in. Well, I'll hop in for a second and say, oh, perfect. Before the season started, I was uh, asked to do a mock draft for Skip Base Fantasy Disc Golf, a draft league, kind of like fantasy football. I picked Simon Lazat. People might have call, called it a little early, not knowing if he's going to play the whole season, if he was going to rebound, and it has paid off well. Um, so I'm just going to quickly brag. I believed in Simon from the start. I knew he was going to get a sixth-place finish at Jonesboro and a second-place at uh, DDO. Um, so tooting my own home for a second. Perfect. <laughs> Glad there to see him go. back on tour. This is – we we lined up the yeah. right people for this show. I just I was thinking I want to say this out of the niceness and kindness of my heart. This is true. I was coming down the stairs tonight before Ben was here and before Evan was here and before Nick came on. I thought to myself, we've built a show beyond just Nick and me. We brought in the right people. So I want to say thank you to both Ben and Evan very much for being in studio. Uh, he they just held it down, Nick. I didn't have to do a thing besides send a link, and we're already lined up with the names in there and. Evan covered for us. So mm-hmm. let's see. Mm-hmm. As soon as I see him jump in the background in the green room, I'll let you know. Um, but so Nick, were you going to say something there? Yeah, I was. Oh, I was going to say it's, it's always really fun to see Simon do well because he doesn't get to get out as much as a lot of the other players get to. And so actually being able to see him cause he's such a fun dude to hang out with. And like, I look forward to all the times that I get to hang out. And so when he actually goes on the road, I think people still forget how freakishly good he is at disc golf. And so when he actually does go out and competes pretty well, like it's always just a cool remembrance of like, you know, this dude still got it. You know, a lot of people will say, 
oh, this player's washed up, this player's washed up, or whatever. And with Simon, it's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, he's got other things going on in his life. And then he comes out and he gets a sixth place finish shooting a 1090 plus rated round at Jonesboro. And then a second place finish here at DDO in some pretty insane conditions. And so it's, it's cool. I always look forward to seeing Simon's name up top of the leaderboard. It was really cool because what was it at Jonesboro? He moved up like 60 or 70 spots in one day. And so just seeing his name, you know, he's, you know, at nine down through like 11 or 10 down through 12 and keeps going on and on and on. And I think he bogeyed the last hole that round. Too, I know so it's like, he could have had the 15 down. <clears throat> yeah, All right. exactly. Uh, I gave him guest number one. So that's going to be the audio channel we have here. Okay. So just so you know, all right, we've got him lined up in the green, the virtual green. We did this pretty seamlessly. His name is Calvin Heimberg. Let's welcome to the show. Calvin, how are you doing, buddy? Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. I'm doing good. Um, yeah, how are y'all? <laughs> good. Chilling. We're so doing good. This is this had to happen. This had to, it was meant to be Calvin Heimberg on the Nick and Matt show. I do not know that we're important enough over here at the Nick and Matt show that rumors make their way to you that I have it out for you and I don't like you and I hope you lose all the time. But the last time we had you on the show, which was a while ago, I said, what would you have to say to someone who picks that you're you're not going to have a win last season? That's what it was. And you said, ooh, that'd be a hot pick, hot take. And you kind of proved my hot take right in an unfortunate way because then I would go on from there to say, Calvin Heimberg is the best absolute player on tour that doesn't get the win. Like, you kill it. Best average, highest average over anybody. Incredible. Why don't you win? And you did it at Jonesboro. And I got hate mail. They're like, who's like, so long story short, welcome to the show. This had to happen. This was Jonesboro. I want to say congratulations. Um, You're playing excellent out there. Talk about it. Jonesboro. Tell us how that felt. What went down to make that win happen? Um, Yeah, I mean, I I generally play pretty well at Jonesboro. Um, Yeah, past few years, I think I've either won it or taken second. Um, this year, there was a few changes to the course, but for the most part, it was the same. Uh, it was kind of windy out there, but I really kind of feel like uh, no one really treaded it out there. I think scores were significantly worse this past year than uh, years prior. I I honestly feel like I played better last year than I did this year and was able to win. But I don't know. That could just be the way I felt about my rounds, oddly. But um. Yeah, as a whole, I was able to, you know, come out with a win in the playoff over over Paul. And um, it was pretty exciting down 18. There was three of us tied. So uh, it was definitely an exciting finish. But um, I think I think it is, since there were so many people kind of in it coming into the last day, I think it's kind of indicative that no one was shredding like mm-hmm. people generally do in past years. So now talk to us about your game yeah. plan. You went really aggressive on a whole 18 with your tee, sh- tee shot. And then in the playoff, obviously you parked it, but talk to us just kind of about your mindset going into the last hole. Yeah, I mean, you go into the, the last hole, there's all three of us tied. Um, I actually didn't realize Paul was tied with us until I look, went and looked at the scoreboard. Um, so when I saw there's three of us tied on 18, I mean, regardless of what anyone else did and where I was in the order, I knew someone was going to birdie, so I knew I had to go aggressive. And the only way I really feel like I actually put myself in position for a birdie on that hole is to throw a distance driver off the tee. So, um, yeah, I grabbed a, a destroyer and uh, sent it way, way up there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I could not have asked for an easier approach on the hole. I mean, I had 200 and 
40 feet left dead straight. So one of the better shots, probably, the, I don't know. I think I've put a drive up there a couple of times in practice, but definitely the best one I've thrown in tournament play. And um, yeah, I mean, it pushed me to a playoff with Paul. He was able to get the birdie as well. And uh, yeah, unfortunately for him on, on one, he had some T-pad issues and threw it in the rough kind of where I was in prior during the round three. And um, I was able to, to park it. I mean, as soon as he was out of position, it kind of took a lot of pressure off of me because mm-hmm. par pretty much looked like a, a push to the next hole. So there wasn't really much to, to lose on my part. Did you feel, because you just mentioned his slip of the T-pad when you threw, did you notice it on your throw or did you adjust for that? Um, I didn't notice it on my throw, okay. but I also like my footwear is and the kind of the way I plant is way different than most other people. Okay. I don't, I don't wear the aggressive treaded shoes. And, uh, I mean, the bottom of my shoes is literally like a flat piece of foam. So <laughs> the odds of me, um, having like, like my shoe grabbing the tee pad and the whole carpet kind of shifting is, is very unlikely. Like it's, it's improbable as opposed to Paul, who has like a more aggressive tread. Mm-hmm. did you notice paul's foot slip out before like did you notice it during his shot or did you realize it after everything happened maybe you rewatched the video yeah i didn't realize it at first i'm pretty sure he said something to me as i was walking up to the t-pad but i just really i, I didn't notice it at all um mm-hmm. it wasn't something i was thinking about um foot, footing isn't really something i tend to think too much about unless it's like super slick mud um i generally don't have issues on on tee pads uh, mm-hmm. it takes a pretty slick tee pad for me to to really uh get bothered now going from disc side of heaven into emporia country club and the jones supreme what's kind of your take on the way that the courses are designed do you favor one over the other or how do you feel just about kind of like the golf course style of disc golf versus more of a legitimate disc golf course the way it's designed over at jonesboro yeah i mean honestly stylistically they're not terribly different um i mean jonesboro is pretty open and long and that's kind of how uh jones supreme and country club are um like i i wouldn't say like those courses are that stylistically different um i will say it was much windier in emporia uh, and the OB is definitely tighter in Emporia as well. So those two things coupled together kind of made for a much rougher tournament um, as far as like scoring and mm-hmm. getting birdies. But uh, I, I don't think there was really much difference in prep. I didn't really get too much prep for DDO. Uh, I went to the Eagles Crossing event on Tuesday prior to the event. So I didn't get in to practice until Wednesday where I got a round in at uh, Jones Supreme and then kind of just drove the changes at Country Club and kind of was winging it there. But um, in the end, like this tournament was all just kind of a, a world's preview um, in the sense that I was, this event for me was like, I'm gonna learn the courses and try to game plan from where there, you know, and whatever, end of August, early September, because mm-hmm. that's the tournament in Emporia that actually really matters this year. So I feel like I learned quite a bit um when it gets windy there it doesn't really reward anyone playing aggressive uh it's actually pointless um so if it's super windy again i'll definitely pick my spots a lot a lot differently and uh there'll be a lot more pitching around the course which i feel like is pretty boring to watch but 
watching how it scored, it just doesn't really make sense to go for birdies on a lot of the holes when it's going to be super windy and they're even on a calm day, a lot of the holes would probably be challenging. So, um, <laughs> wow. Uh, we just had Simon on right before you, and he said he was happy to be the pre-show for only Calvin Heimberg, so that was good. But then secondly, he said he felt like he didn't learn, and this may have been an exaggeration, but he didn't learn anything at this event for Worlds because it just seemed so so windy compared to what it might be. But I love your perspective there, saying it doesn't reward a, a aggressive play, and I think that's what happened to a lot of the best players in the world. They kept going the same tilt. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like that's what happened to a lot of these great players? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know. It's just, a much, yeah, it was a much different pace. We hadn't really played in anything that windy in a while. Um, and, yeah, we're just kind of programmed to to try to get under par and – even though, yeah, that wasn't necessarily the best way to score this week. So, um, yeah, I, I do think I, I learned that if it is that windy, it's just birdie just is pointless. Just play for the bigger landing areas, pick your spots for your approaches, and then uh, don't be that aggressive on the putting green because it, it really didn't pay off at all. Um, I feel like with how windy it was, putting was almost eliminated. Like mm -hmm. for a lot of the rounds, it wasn't. It wasn't really beneficial to be a great putter because it honestly, you would run something and then you'd have a tester comebacker and everyone thought you'd miss it. So it's just, I feel like running putts in the wind resulted in more bogeys than, than birdies for me, at least. So, yeah. okay. Too much risk reward factor. So, yeah. Now, the pros lately have been playing week in and week out. You guys have gone on at least a three week stretch of Elite Series events. You know, if you're playing a couple of Silver Series events here and there, you're also playing those. You have a little bit of time off. Are you taking this? Are you playing any local tournaments or are you kind of taking a little relaxing period, still practicing? But what's kind of your schedule up until the next big event for you? Yeah, my next big event will be the OTB Open. So I have uh, two weeks off before I need to be in Stockton, California. Um, I'm going to be taking it pretty easy. Um, no local events. I'll definitely still be uh, playing some and practicing, but it's uh, definitely a nice little break to uh, get a little bit of time to recover um, and just catch up on other things I need to do because we definitely just had three three events back to back to back and I threw in that Eagles Crossing in there as well. So I basically had 12 tournament rounds in a span of three weeks. So, How do you been, feel about that? Um, I think it's poor scheduling. Um, I, I feel like having a four-round event right after any event is – kind of silly because between travel and then learning the courses it really doesn't doesn't give people enough time to actually get there and learn the courses the way i think they should especially when the event has two courses um mm -hmm. maybe if it was one course it would be a little different but uh we had two courses there at ddo and i don't think that really lended itself to people getting into town learning the course and playing the best disc golf they could well, I want to say this publicly to everybody that listens. I like Calvin a lot. <laughs> I'm not coming out right now to tell him my love and profess it that way. But I can remember, I'm stuttering because I'm nervous. <laughs> Calvin, you were down here. In fact, go ahead and put Evan up for a second. You were down here sitting on the couch behind Evan. We were playing games down here before. I think it was a, well, no, it was a studio. Long story short. 
I enjoy watching you play, and I made it my, and I we got Evan up now still too, but I made it my, <laughs> that's funny, I made it my shtick, if you will, that Calvin is the guy I picked to lose. But the fact of the matter is, inside I'm rooting so strongly, I feel like there are so many more events that you should have won, and that's not to put dirt on you, that's to say like you were that good, but here's my question. What do you think it is that like would make you be runner up at so many events? I mean, you had to have thought of one putt in every event where you're like, well, dang, why didn't I win? Yeah, I mean, there's always something you can look back on, but pretty much anyone can look back and think of, I could have done this, I could have done that. Um, but you're doing it better than everybody. You're getting like you're getting second and third better than everybody, like so many times. It's like incredible. It's like you were closer than anybody most of the time. That's my point. And I think you're just, it's mind blowing to me how good you are and you don't have enough wins to prove it. So is the curse over? Are you going to start winning now? Is this your year for worlds? I don't know. We'll find out in <laughs> September. I'm definitely going to have to play better there than I did this week. So. Okay. But no hopefully the wind's but a little cooler. Yeah. Yeah. We can only hope the wind will be cooler, but it's Kansas. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I do. I do feel like if it is windy, I have a much, better game plan going into those courses um not necessarily country club I, I feel fine out there in the wind but just the way jones supreme sets up especially with some of the tighter greens uh just i don't i don't feel like i feel like you can still play aggressive at country club in the wind and i don't feel like you can at jones supreme okay earlier you alluded to kind of three round events and then going right into a four round event now, say the schedule was perfect. You know, you had a week off before this one. Do you enjoy four-round events with a cut after three rounds, or do you more like that just for majors? Like, do you wish all lead series were three rounds and then your majors being four or five rounds? How do you kind of like the scheduling in that regard? Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't mind an event being four rounds. I just think it, it has to set up well with the rest of the schedule. Um, But, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with it being four rounds and a cut, uh, regardless of what the event is elite series or major um i just think when you start to schedule back to back to backs and two of the three or four rounders it's not really yielding like you're not actually getting people to go out and play their best at that point um mm -hmm. and it just it seems kind of silly to me because there's so many weeks in the year and we really only have like 20 some odd like actual elite series and major events. So it doesn't quite make sense to me why we would need to schedule them all on top of each other. Um, even if you want an off season, it's like, I was talking about this the other day, like why couldn't you schedule a silver series on the same weekend as an elite series? Like in the end, that event is supposed to be a test event for whether or not it's going to make the elite series one day. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's people out there that can play that event that are trying to prove their worth to actually make it on the actual tour. I like I. I don't feel like the silver series is really a proving ground for anyone that's already on the tour. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I, I just don't see why we should schedule our elite series around those as well. And in the end, there's are going to be some people that want to play events every single week, but they can still find their, you know, a tiers. I mean, people have done that for, for decades before this, where they just found a tiers to fill in the gap. So I, I just, I feel like we should probably space our elite series out a little better and accept the fact that they mean more than anything else. And uh, yeah, however that needs to happen, I think it should happen. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. I've got a fo- I've got a follow up question for you to put you on the spot in some way. You're doing excellent, by the way. This interview, we're loving it. The chat's loving it. Do you mind sticking around for ten more minutes and playing a game with us, like over the course of the next ten minutes, stat or fiction? Okay. Yeah, okay. we can do it. Okay, we can do it. Yeah. Right before we get into that, we're gonna crack into some double G craft jerky. So let's go ahead and do that. Double cre- double G craft jerky, everybody. We're pulling out. What is this flavor? This is the McBeast barbecue style. Let's go. We're passing it. Around. Oh, that's the my, smell. When you one. open the bag, the smell hits you first of all. Then this piece of jerky. I can't talk and eat at the same time, but it is amazing. As Evan always says, it's like dipping this into that like smoky barbecue sauce, like just the right amount. The flavor is just mind-blowing there's seven different flavors they're possibly considering pulling out a vegan mushroom option which i will definitely try the flavor is amazing charity if you buy a bag of jerky a dollar goes to each charity paul Macbeth, i think and um double g i know both of those are charities that they support they're in disc retailers everywhere if they're not ask for them to wholesale it have it in your pro shops near you they do player packs um, you can do jerky subscriptions. How are you enjoying it right now, Evan? Really this, tasty? Yeah, this is maybe the best bite I've had of this <laughs> amazing flavor yet. All right. What do you think, Ben? I think I'm in love. <laughs> Where are you? Uh, I am at, in Mexico currently. <laughs> okay. Pardon and then Nick, tell us what you think. Did you crack into some jerky down there? So I actually have it in my pantry room, but um, funny story about the double G craft jerky is my parents just came into town yesterday. They were driving up from Florida. So they spent the night with me and uh, we got to hang out for a little bit, but my dad was telling me how he loves having beef jerky when he's, you know, driving and especially during long drives. And so I literally showed him into my pantry room. I was like, Oh, well check out what I have in the drawer. And it was literally (laughs) just 10 bags of double G craft jerky. He literally just, like his eyes lit up and he's just like oh i like that flavor i'll try that one. Oh, i must have to it's almost like a tax bite you know because he's my dad so he's got to have everything you know if yeah, there's something good he's gonna have a little piece of it yeah so Fantastic. i ended up giving him about five bags worth of uh <laughs> he goes, beef jerky and he, he, goes, he was stoked <laughs> he goes nick you know you're gonna get more just give me what you got so okay yeah exactly use code nick and matt they're gonna send you a gift with your order you're not getting 10 percent, 20 percent off this is too good you're gonna get a gift with your order and in fact calvin I'm putting you on the spot. Would you like a bag or two of jerky free from Double G Craft Jerky? Would you take that? Yeah, I okay. would take that. All right, they're going to send it to you. Uh, either they'll reach out to you or I'll contact you again and get your address. But they will send it to you. Because you're a guest on the Nick and Matt Show, you get free jerky. All right, <laughs> next up. Sweet. Yeah, it is. And actually, this is kind of sweet. It is kind of sweet. They have all these good flavors. So, all right. Thank you very much to Double G Craft Jerky. Let's get into it. Statter fiction, everybody. Here we go, Ben. Stat or Fiction, presented by Stat Mando. Oh, boy. All right, Evan, take it away. Okay. So, I mentioned Brody Smith made Podium. I also mentioned a guy named Logan Harpool. They are both six-digit PDGA numbers, both over 100,000. Wow. So, my Stat or Fiction is, uh, with both of their podiums, uh, Brody Smith and Logan Harpool, they become the first six-digit PDGA numbers to finish on the podium at an Elite Series or major event in MPO. Wow. I feel like it's so obvious, and we don't make our guests go first. I usually make Nick go first, so go ahead, Nick. Uh, Stat. I feel like it's obvious, and I'm saying stat as well, but 
let's see what Calvin has. Yeah, I'll, I'll say stat. I don't I don't think there's anyone that's that new that's podiumed. All right, Evans, you can you're on camera now, 100. percent Oh wow, I'm, you guys can see me smirking. Yeah, we see him smirking because this is fiction. Wow, man, you guys are and forgetting this was that. Elite series, yes. elite series. All right, give I'll us give you. Give 2021 it. Las Vegas Challenge. Who finished second place? Who finished? Ezra Aderhold. Oh. What's his number? I yeah. don't have his number off the top of my head, but it is hundred thousand plus. Yeah, it's over yeah. hundred thousand. Wow. What? <laughs> Didn't know that. Wow. Uh, we learn something new every day on the Nick and Matt show. Or every week, not every day. Yeah. Well, that's all. Like, point of it is to stump you guys. Wow, I, you did. Yeah, yeah. He's 121, 715. Wow, that's higher than I would have thought. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got to give Evan a point ticker next time. I'll figure that one out. Yeah, there's a point for me. Uh, I will say now, Brody Smith is the highest PDG number to uh, finish podium in MPO at an Elite Series of okay. Major. But Ella Hansen is the highest PD jumper overall, having multiple now podium finishes in FBO. Okay. Did we pull the audience on that one? No. And next one. I will. Next one. All right. We'll All right. Uh, stat or fiction number two. So Paul Macbeth had actually back-to-back sub-1,000 rated rounds at DDO. Add that in. Oops, excuse me. Add that into a sub-1,000 rated round at Champions Cup. And that is three sub 1000 rated rounds in the month of April. So the statter fiction is this is the first time since uh, June of 2012 that Paul Macbeth has thrown three sub 1000 rated rounds in a single month. Wow. Um, oh, I don't think that's going to be true, but I feel like it is. And I don't have enough time to work it all out. I'm going to say fiction. I mean, uh, uh, true uh, stat. I'll get it out. This this crush juice. Someone called it out. They're like Matt's buzz, and I'm like, <laughs> this crush juice is strong, man. All right, I, I say stat. And uh, we're going to yeah, we're going to Calvin next. I'll go stat as well. I'll There's, see. I want to go stat. I, I'm going to go stat as well. I'm going to try to play for the last question. <laughs> uh, all right, this is double or nothing right here. Either I got two points or you guys are all on the board as well. Yeah. Uh, but you guys are all on the board as well. That is a stat. Uh, I mean, that's an incredibly long time. Um, it's not any discredit to Paul Macbeth, of course. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, but in 2012, in June of 2012, he had a sub-1,000 rated round at the Kansas City Wide Open, the Beaver State Fling, and the Stockholm Disc Golf Open. Wow. That was a good one because I felt like that could have went different ways. What did the chat say? Your stat, 83% said stat. Yeah. So all right, they were with us. And there were a few times in between those dates where he had two sub-1,000 rated rounds in a month. I mean, there weren't a lot of sub-1,000 rated rounds to begin with in that time span. Uh, incredible consistency. And two, stat or fiction number three, uh, Paige Pierce finished off the podium in now back-to-back Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite events, uh, standard Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite events. That is the first time that has ever happened to Paige Pierce, finishing off the podium at back-to-back standard Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite events. Oh, now, just to clarify, you're saying standard Disc Golf Pro Tour. Yeah, so this so, is meaning if there was a national tour like there used to be. We're not talking about those. I'm not talking about used to be national tours, and I'm not talking about match play, all-stars, or the tour championship. Standard DGPT. all have different formats. All right, Calvin, I, I think we broke it down enough. You feel comfortable to answer? 
I'm gonna go fiction. All right, Nick. All right, I'll go. I'll go stat. Nick says stat, and I say fiction as well because that's what I feel like is the case. I feel like Paige has done this some other point in her disc golf pro tour career. What do we have as an answer? This is fiction. Let's go playoffs with Vinny. Playoffs with Vinny. Where's the tee pad? Got to glue that that tee pad down before I slip. Uh, this happen has happened once before. Uh, let's have the playoff be this. <laughs> He's like, uh oh. Which now I'm actually trying to think of how to be do, the playoff. The pro tour, by the way, has been lining up these playoffs. They know it's happening more often than ever. So I think we're at the same place, Evan. What's the <laughs> where are we at? Uh, Me versus Vinny, head to head. Who can throw further? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, let's let's guess uh what year were the two events that she finished back-to-back -back off the podium at. This is Disc Golf Pro, standard Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite, so since 2016 to 2022. Okay. Uh, what years we did know those back-to-back -back Oh, happen? you said years this time. The first one you said year, and I was going to go, that means it sorry. didn't cycle. No, no, sorry. It, it is within it is one, one single year, yeah. Okay. That's just okay. me mis misspeaking. Well, first, I was like, it could have been back-to-back. -back yes, it could have been. Okay. I'm telling you but it's now not. now we know. Okay, and how does this go? Uh, how do they choose now in the Pro Tour who goes first in the playoff, Vinny, Calvin? Uh, you have to, like, draw a number out of a hat. Um, hold a number behind your back, Evan. Okay, he's holding a number. Uh, one through ten, I'm going to choose six. What do you pick, Calvin? Uh, I'll do three. <laughs> wow, look at that! <laughs> do That's... you want to go first or second with this question? I'll go first. All right. <laughs> All right, so pick the year that this happened for Paige. I'm going to say 2019. Oh, man. It's a complete guess. Yeah, no but it's a decent guess. But I'm going to go 2020. That's my guess, 2020. All right, so now it is whoever is closest, if you guys didn't get it right. And the answer is 2018. So tiebreaker goes to Calvin. It was 2018 wow. Ledgestone. She finished fifth. And 2018 MVP Open. She finished sixth. Man. Ooh. He wins. He's going to playoffs. He wins now. Victory. He didn't have a chance at Ledgestone. Um, yeah, Ledgestone. What was it? Last year? I mean, that was yep. stupid. That was stupid. Everyone wanted me to give you that win. Everyone said, Matt, Calvin got a win. I said, he doesn't even want that win. Well, he wants the win, but he did. Yeah. Anyways, I'm chatting. I got the trophy. <laughs> I know that much. Oh, you, that's right. Did you have a playoff for that? You're on your own. Yep. Ricky and I played around in Idlewild for it. Okay. There you go. Well, you're 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 better than Paul McBeth in your playoff percentage. Maybe. That's interesting. Well, I have way less data points than him too. <laughs> i don't know why that made me laugh but that's a good a good point hey we really really appreciate you getting back to us even though it was last minute it made for a fantastic fun show for our listeners everyone appreciates it uh i appreciate it because now i got that off my chest i do not hate calvin everybody i appreciate his skills very much and, and next time i see you i'll tell you that in person thank you very much for coming on calvin Yep, thanks for having me. Thanks Thank for beating you. me. All right, have a good night. <laughs> yep, you too. All right, bye. <clears throat> okay, everybody. What's up? Well, what's what's funny is I just thought of this last second too, is that we should have had Ben say, because we all have a group chat together, and Ben actually said that Calvin was going to win because in the press conference he was wearing a hat. So they're like, oh, hat Vinny is back. He's got it. He's taking it down. 
So <laughs> hat vein. Maybe Ben got a little starstruck. Maybe it's maybe it's the hat thing. It was Look at Ricky. Hat. Could be. What about Ricky? Bucket hats are in style. It's the hat. Bucket hat. In all seriousness, guys, I'll talk to you after the show. I am a noob with beer. A noob. And I'm pretty sure like I only got through maybe half of it. And I'm like, eh, this is a new feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's an that's an eight percent beer. I'm not going to judge you, Matt. Like, okay, if, if I'm you got to you gotta stop halfway, that's okay. I'm, I'm a not, lightweight. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not judging one bit. I'd finish it if I was there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nick. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so here we are, eight o'clock in the show. We've lined up our third guest. When we were rolling the dice before the show, we didn't know if this would be our only interview, but it is not our only interview. This is our feature interview believe it or not simon was a pre-show for a pre-show of calvin was a pre-show for this guy who's been around a long time has so many different accolades and we could play a game how old is he because you're going to be surprised i think but we're going to welcome him to the show david wiggins jr welcome to the show david how are you doing man what's going on everyone doing pretty good wow this is in a weird way for me like I never would have expected this probably in my lifetime because when I was getting into disc golf, uh, your name was getting stamped on stuff. This guy throws far and I wasn't really like deep in the game, if you will. Uh, not until, I don't know, long story short, here you are on the Nick and Matt show. And I just want to know, uh, can you officially like pronounce your like back in disc golf, the, the scene? Yeah, I just played my first pro tour event there, the dynamic disc open. So I'm I'm coming back. Coming back. What, uh, yeah, Nick. What, what kind got? of what kind of took you off the road a little bit, and then what's bringing you back into disc golf? So in uh, I graduated high school in 2013, and I went on the road and toured professionally for a year. Um, definitely a different scene back then, but uh, I did that for a year and decided I was going to go to college. Uh, went to engineering school down in New Orleans graduated in 2019 but during that time period I pretty much just focused on school I knew I couldn't go to tournaments and compete at the level that I really like to so I kind of put that on the back burner and uh, focused on school so okay found some time to play again earlier this year and been playing consistently the last few months pretty much every single day Mm -hmm. I saw you on throwdown the mountain coverage and I was like wow this is like a random appearance is what I thought to myself. And then secondly, yeah. I thought to myself how young quote unquote you are. And you just confirmed it. You said you graduated in 2013 and Evan stat Mando here on the other side of me, at the tables, eyebrows go up like 2013. Um, so we got to go back a ways is why I'm bringing that up. We go back a ways. Let's start out. How young were you when you got into the game and then kind of, I'm going to let you kind of navigate through some of your world records, if you don't mind, for like uh, target points, if you will, of like, what age was I when I threw 200 feet, 300 feet? If you can remember any of that, go ahead okay. and give it to yeah. us. Yeah. Tell us how you started and then your journey to distance. <laughs> okay. So I started playing disc golf when I was four years old. My family moved from Bakersfield, California to High Point, North Carolina when I was two. And we happened to move right next to a disc golf course. My my dad never my family never played disc golf um, until we moved there. And my dad pretty much brought me there to the course to run around and get some energy out and uh, kind of took off from there. Just got involved with the club and kept playing and started playing like 
the local club doubles when I was a little kid with my dad. Back then, I I was paired with my dad every time because I was such a little kid. <laughs> that was the really fair thing to do <laughs> for everybody else. Mm-hmm. But uh, it kind of went from there. Played my first world championships when I was nine years old and started throwing distance. My dad would bring me out to this um, like sports complex, big field area when I was nine years old and uh started practice throwing distance then okay and tell me because i still struggle to hit 400 feet and that's like my best ever how old were you when you threw 400 feet so i'll just run through yeah do it do it records when i set them that they don't all hold anymore but uh when i was nine years old i threw it 343 feet (laughs) when i was 10 years old i set the record at 399 feet um 11 years old i threw at 484 feet oh come on 11 12 years old 577 feet and when i was 13 years old i went to big d in the desert out in prim nevada for my first time ever and i threw at 735 feet my goodness wow so I filmed Simon fairly recently in one of his vlogs. I don't know if you saw it when he went out and we were just in a field up here in Massachusetts. And I think he threw it 743 or something like that. So that's pretty close to what you did in the desert. Smash. That yeah. is an, you don't realize it until the disc starts to disappear. And you're like, that's pretty far. I can almost not see it. So that is amazing. You said, I think 11, you pretty much tapped 400 at 11 years old. And that's incredible. So Distance is your game. Can you tell us your current world record? You still have one that holds, right? Yeah, I have currently the furthest throw world record at 1,108 feet. <laughs> and I, I heard was so. <laughs> I, I was on a disc golf course with some friends, and they were talking about that has to be the record for any thrown object, right? Oh, yeah. Like whether it's a frisbee or anything else, like that has to be the furthest thrown object in the world, right? I think. I think in a. I think it's in a a Roby ring or something Ooh. like that actually holds the record. Really? Don't quote me on the distance. I'm not sure how far oh, it was. Wow. I, it's some absurd number as well, but gotcha. Chat, go find that just, out right now. Chat. Let's research yeah, no, that okay. while we're live. Well, so, talk to us. Talk to us a little bit about your athletic background. I remember there used to be a series that I think spin CV did on you where it's just kind of like working out with you. I forget the exact name of the series. It might've been going the distance. I think. Whatever oh, it was. Fly. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. So you had a cool little series going on. So talk to us just kind of about your athletic background. Um, so growing up, I played baseball and basketball until about middle school. And then from then on, I pretty much focused on disc golf. Um, when I was in high school, I started working out and lifting weights and I've enjoyed that and continued doing it since I started training for throwing distance, I'd say other than just throwing by doing um, specific workouts when I was 16 and pretty much continued that through when I set the world record and I still work out. But uh, since I set the world record, I, I don't really do it as rigorously, like specifically for disc golf as I did previously. But um, yeah, I, I tried to, I tried to find um, kind of like fast twitch workouts, explosive weightlifting workouts that I could, transfer to be beneficial into throwing far so i found some workouts for um javelin throwers actually that was the biggest similarity that i found in kind of athletic movements and the type of 
you know, throwing style. So I found some good training regimens for uh, javelin throwers and kind of adapted those and used oh, those to me when I was uh, training. Wow. wow. So we're, so we're trying not to be, why am I having echo here? <clears throat> that might be on my side, but we're, we're trying not to bounce all over, but the chat's bringing up great points. We've got lots of questions we want to ask. So we're going to go back and forth. Uh, someone said, ask who your world's double partner was. And I don't know what year they're specifying. Is there anything that stands out about your doubles partner? Andrew Coggin. Yeah. So <clears throat> one of my best friends growing up, we, we played junior worlds several years together and won several times. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And do you have any, I didn't research this right now. I, th I think you do. Do you, you have junior world titles, but you do have am world titles as well. I do. Um, I won the 10 and under division twice, the 13 and under division twice. And then the 16 and under division. No, night. I skipped 16 and under and went to 19 and under. And then I played advanced and got second return the next year and one i was so, I sandbag for sure so, but i was like four, i was 14 years old at the time also yeah, yeah it's crazy and i hope the chat understands and the, the listeners why i was like you have some right because like i couldn't recall every single one i knew there was a good handful of them that's incredible um so someone confirmed actually Evan, give it to us. Someone confirmed what the farthest thrown object was. And yeah, I'm well, kind of confused. Well, the chat had it right. The aerobi went a max of um, 1,333 feet, but the largest throw of an object without a, a tail, a velocity aiding feature, is 1,401 feet with a boomerang uh, from a guy from out Australia. A boomerang. Like, what is a boomerang? Like, I know what a boomerang is. They come back, they don't go far, do they? I mean, apparently I'm wrong wow <clears throat> all right so do you think do you think you have another 350 <laughs> plus feet to kind of take that record do you think you could figure that out or have the perfect wind I'm, i think that i'm pretty tapped out at 1108 to be honest with you <laughs> i think nice. even simon said that he's like i don't think anybody yeah. will ever throw that far again so um not that we need your opinion on it but being so dominantly strong with your distance um, real quick, how far do you think you could throw right now? If I said, Hey, how far can you throw? What would you say? If I went out to a field right now, I could probably break 600 feet. Okay. With, without wind. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that people are interested in seeing a distance competition, like in an airplane hangar. Does that interest you at all? I'm in. Yeah. Okay. If one happens, I'm in. <clears throat> Cool. Well, there you go. It's just, it's always been a debate. I think there'd be two separate types of things, distance, you know, controlled and uncontrolled, but that'd be awesome. I, I think you'd probably still win, <laughs> but it'd be interesting to see. Um, so you talked about your, you left, you came back school, all that stuff. You're 27. You just turned 27, right? Okay. Just turned 27. Yep. Okay. Um, so what's it going to take? You're saying you're coming back. What does a tour return look for, like for you? Are you hitting all of the events? And then if you are like, What's your expectations? What's your, what are your goals? Um, so this year, uh, I wouldn't say I'm going to be on tour full-time. I'm signed up. I got into a few pro tour events. I'm going to hit a few large ones, try to hit a lot of local events and really try to polish my skills back up, knock off some rust and play every day, continue to sharpen my skills and improve my player rating consistently. And then, moving forward into next year, see where I'm at and 
maybe make a, a full time full time run at it again. Okay. What do you, what do your outside hobbies include outside of disc golf? And you said you had an engineering degree. What was your job like in that field? So I moved down to New Orleans. They had a specific program called Naval Architecture, Marine Engineering. So it's very like ship design oriented, ship engineering, and everything that goes into boat building and whatnot. Um, so I love boats. That's been a huge passion of mine. I live on a boat. I'm currently on the boat right now. Come on. Um, yeah. You live on a boat. So like I live on houseboat. Boat. Houseboat, yeah. It was an old tugboat converted into a houseboat. <laughs> Dude, that's sick. Yeah. <laughs> I think you might be the first person that I've met that lives on a boat because I, I know that's a thing, but what, that's insane. Would it be too much on a live show like this? Are, are you on a laptop or a phone? I'm on a laptop, but I could walk around. Okay. With it Just give us see. a peek. For those who are watching YouTube live, uh, they could take a little tour if you don't mind. And we'll uh, kind of yeah, right. we'll, we'll tell people what they're looking at so like the audio listeners can at least enjoy it. But I recommend. At this point in the show, if you're listening to the podcast, that you find the YouTube uh, channel, it I, it's looking like a house, and he's walking around in his house, and he's like, "What's the big deal?" Um, but he's going to show right. us. He's going out a door. Going, going outside here. And there's boats all around, <laughs> and he's like, at like, uh, what do we call this place where the boats dock? Uh, the marina. marina. <clears throat> yeah, like a marina. Look at that. He's literally, yeah, living on the water in a marina. This is. Okay, so how long have you been doing this for? Uh, I've been living out here since 2014, since I was a freshman. Dude, this, that's insane. This interview is taking a total turn right now because I need to know, like, <laughs> what is the craziest thing that's ever happened to you living on a boat? Like, there, my brain immediately goes to, like, that's not on solid ground. Like, there's got to be crazy things, storms or otherwise. Like, what, what have you dealt with? Well... New Orleans is a crazy place to begin with. So on top of that, uh, we've rode out hurricanes, me and some neighbors out here. We rode through the last cat four that came through on the boats. Hurricane and, uh, Ida. You were there for Hurricane yeah, Ida recently. I rode, I rode out Hurricane Ida on the boat. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I was down there for three weeks doing storm restoration with the company I work for. And that would have been awesome to run into you down there. Hey, look, it's David Wiggins living on a boat. <laughs> Did you, so your boat was fine, or was there damage? No, it was fine. We got really wow. lucky, actually. The wind came out of the south, so we didn't have much of a storm surge here on the south shore. Mm -hmm. And uh, the water came up after the winds went down, so we really didn't have any damages. Wow. That's wow. insane. Does it, like, rock a lot? You know, when it's really windy, do you, do you notice that? <laughs> It so we're in a harp like kind of protected harbor. There's a breakwater and everything, so it really doesn't get too rough in here. But when the wind blows hard, especially in hurricanes with hundred some mile an hour winds, it, it'll kick up probably two three foot waves in the mm -hmm. marina, and it'll rock the boat. But it's nothing too crazy. Yeah. How, how often you, do you drive the boat around? Is it functioning in that sense? Can you park it at a different harbor if you like? That. <laughs> yeah, can take. I'm actually I'm hauling the boat out on Wednesday to. Uh, go do a bottom job on it's been it's been in the water for like four years so there's some growth i gotta take it out and clean the bottom and change the zincs and whatnot we'll have to have you back to do a whole interview just on this topic but you said you like boats <laughs> where where did that start yeah. for you like in the enjoyment of boats like you're 26 did that start when you were four like i mean has this been a dream i've always loved to fish and i didn't grow up on the coast but i grew up next to a lake and i would go i think i bought a kayak with money i made mowing lawns when i was like 10 and 
just would take it in a wagon down to the lake and just go fishing whenever okay. I could. And okay. my dad got a place at the coast when I was pretty young. We started fishing down there. And uh, I went to welding school before I went to college. And I built a boat. I built another boat since. Not a big boat. A couple of small aluminum ones. But I've just always loved the boats, boat building in the water. So kind of another passion of mine with disc golf. This no this may be one of the more unique things we found out about somebody on our show, Nick, in two years. Do you agree? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's another disc golfer out there that we would have on the show who says, oh, yeah, I live on a boat. <laughs> it's just so I mean, excellent. Like yeah. This is like an episode of Cribs, I felt like, except in the like the disc golfer's Cribs, here's my boat. So, right. so when you drive to work or go to the grocery store, you you leave your house, you maybe walk up some stairs to the parking lot of the marina or harbor. And then that's where your car's parked. Yeah, so I'm in. Um, it's called like a cut the covered boat slips. It's a boat shed essentially, and I can park my car just outside of it, so it's pretty convenient. <laughs> I used to live on a pier, towards the end of the pier, so it was like a good 500 foot walk to the car. And when it was mm -hmm. stormy out here, it was pretty tricky with all the groceries and whatever I was bringing back, coming home from school with my backpack or whatnot. Okay. Now what? <laughs> I'm laughing. What, what are kind of the, the hold on? Yeah, this, this is this, my last question no, about the no, boat. I'm cutting you off because I got to hit this chat real quick. Then you can ask it. Someone's like, okay, right, the boat it. puts the McLaren to shame. <laughs> and I had to say it. <laughs> well, you can't live in the McLaren. So this is true. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. That's pretty. That's baller. Okay, Nick, I cut you off. I just yeah. had to. So is it I, I know you said you have a love for boats is it also financially better maybe in your situation of living on the boat i don't know how rent is in a marina i know my cousin has a boat up in rhode island so he pays x amount of dollars a year but um he doesn't live on his boat so what's kind of like the i don't know ins and outs of it um i'd in general i'd say a boat is not a good financial decision <laughs> but yeah that being said, you can live for a pretty reasonable amount of money, especially in an area like New Orleans. On mm -hmm. boat. I, cool. I lived on a different boat during school when I graduated and got a job. I bought this boat, but the boat that I lived on previously, got it for $15,000, lived on it for four years, and it costed $150 a month to keep it in the boat slip. So not too bad. Not no too kidding. bad. So <laughs> I thought we had the last boat question, but I have another one. I've... As someone, what do they say? Uh, someone who lives on the land, right? As opposed to someone who's out, you know, a sailor or a sail, whatever they're called, right? Fisherman, I don't know what I'm thinking here. You get used to the the waves tossing and turning, right? And so you're you're getting your sea legs, as, as I understand it. And I've done this before on like a fishing trip or something for a full day. And when I got off and onto the land, what did it feel like? I'd lay down in my bed and I'd feel like I was rowing back and forth, right? How does this affect you in disc golf, or is that not even a thing because you're so used to it? No, it's not really a thing. I mean, like I said, in the harbor, we don't really experience much movement mm -hmm. with the water. There's not a lot of waves. So, okay. You, I've had one person come on my boat and get seasick in the harbor in the seven <laughs> years that I've been on it. So, yeah, it's not really a thing. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool. I just had to ask. Very that. cool. So, you come back. You're playing at events like DDO. We saw you at Throwdown on the Mountain. You got to play with, I think it was Paul Macbeth. And so, who else was on that card when you, you had that feature round? Do you remember? It Was it Paul? Uh, yeah, it was Paul. Um, 
Oh, I can't remember. Nobody else who matters. But my question is, no, I'm kidding. I don't mean that offensively because I don't know either. But who are some players? I got whooped by everybody on that card. That's what I remember. (laughs) He got whooped by everybody. Are there players today that you've watched the game since being away and you're like, man, it would be fun to play with them? Have you thought that through? I really haven't watched the game much since I've been away. To be honest with you, there's a whole lot of names that I don't know out there. Wow. So going to the DDO was uh, really cool seeing. I mean, I averaged 999, nothing spectacular. Not, I mean, not terrible golf for me right now, not good golf for me right now, but my rating is 995, shot barely above it. But I, I didn't make the cut by, I think I was seven strokes out of the cut. So just from that standpoint, it's pretty impressive to see um, the amount of good players there are in the sport. Mm-hmm. You you and the McLaren yeah, owner didn't make the cut, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, so, okay, you throw really far. We've, we've discussed that. Anybody, I mean, you don't need to hear it from me, but anybody who can throw over, in my opinion, over 450 is throwing very far. And to throw 600-plus... Mm-hmm in a field is just elite distance. We know you have the distance. Um, is that part of your game that you're still trying to dial in or do you need to work on your putting and your, everyone needs to work on everything, but what do you see as some of your main target points for working on? Um, definitely putting, um, try to putt every single day. Now get that more consistent. Um, try to add a little more spinning power to my putt as well. Cause after this weekend, I mean, it's apparent that, you know, you need to have a putt that can fight the wind on some of these courses, especially with the direction that the courses are moving so that we can have spectators and media. It's going to be more open courses, I feel like. So having a good um, a good steady spin putt is pretty essential. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, um, dialing in my sidearm, trying to add some distance and accuracy to that. Um, just getting out in the field and really trying to work on every aspect of my game right now because it's been a while. <laughs> now you've been i'm laughing because in, in you got welcomed back to ddo he's like welcome back 40 yeah. miles yeah. wins. <laughs> yeah definitely not the place to get your welcome back at but you've been an innova sponsored pro for i don't know how many years but are they still supporting your road are they you know are they still kind of like carrying your back whatever yeah i've been on team innova for about 15 years the only disc manufacturer i've ever played for um got a good relationship with them there's still, I'm still on Team Innova, and I still have the signature Blizzard Boss with him. Nice, very cool. Um, my son, I have four boys. My son Hunter was welcomed to Team Innova at age six, and they've been wow. really, yeah. So they've been really good to him. He's now 12. This is his sixth season. Believe it or not, everybody, I'm kind of blown away. That's crazy. Yeah, he just almost he hasn't beaten me yet. Did your dad play disc golf? You said. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he introduced me to the sport, but he didn't know about it before we moved to North Carolina. Okay. But, when, do you yeah. remember how old you were when you first beat him? Was that a thing or do you not know? Oh my gosh. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm maybe, just trying to figure out what I can, uh, motivate my like son. Nine, okay. Nine. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. crazy. My son is just turned 12 and he almost beat me on what the FPO gold layout would be at Maple Hill. He's one stroke off what? of beating me. Yeah. And I was like, this is the day <laughs> I thought to myself, I can't let him win. Like I, he has to earn it. And it was just that one stroke. And he was like, Oh, I'm so close dad. So 
anyways, enough about me, but I want to say with the junior aspect and being on Innova, I just thought that was relevant and pretty neat. He's going to be at Junior Worlds this year, and uh, I'll tell him what you've done and accomplished. Uh, but with that being said, you brought up Innova, or Nick did. How has the plastic changed? Do things go further now? Is it more consistent? Like, has anything changed since you've been there and come back? There's so many new molds and manufacturers on the market today that I can't keep up with it. I mean, I my bag looks like a time capsule from eight years ago, pretty much right now. So what do you have in there? Um, I, uh, I have, I guess if I'm starting from putters and working my way to drivers, I putt with a, uh, with a P2 right now. I've got Casey AVR in my bag, Rhino, then a whole bunch of rocks, a Gator, T-Bird, Eagle, Firebird, Destroyer, and Boss. Okay. Those are all discs that I've thrown as well. I've been around 15 years. Those are some fantastic discs. I don't think their discs get worse. I just think they offer way more molds. So, um, yeah. Nick, anything else, Nick, that you have, or, or Ben, or Evan, or anybody here? Any other questions we missed? I guess off the top of my head, I can't think of one. So, Evan, I'm going to let you take it over if you got one. Yeah, I was going to say, besides distance, which you obviously have, like, what is your greatest skill um, as a disc golf player? Mm, besides distance. <laughs> Besides distance, um, I can throw a putter really well. Okay, yeah, awesome. I, I think I think a lot of people think that I'm just distance, but I grew up playing in North Carolina on heavily wooded courses, so I can throw a putter through the woods. So, on so with that, we've had a lot of no open. Oh, sorry. With that, we hit a lot of open courses. We we still have a few more open courses. Obviously, we hit the West Coast. But as we kind of get into the later part of the season where we get kind of back to the Midwest and then the East Coast, do you think your game's going to pick up getting back into the woods with distance and a putter shot? Or do you think you do excel on more of the open courses? You know, I, I, I try to stay well-rounded and think of myself as a well-rounded player, so I don't, I don't really have a preference as far as wooded or open or have a thought that one is geared more towards me than the other okay um and i i thought of something since we said we're almost out of questions but you said you weren't going to try to hit every event but you're going to hit a lot of them do you think do you have you do you have plans and expectations that you might make the playoffs which is a new thing this year do you have any intention of doing that or hoping or trying uh, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure what it takes to get into the playoffs, but points. now that you brought it up, I'm going to have to look into it. Yeah. Points. So Disc Golf Pro Tour okay. points, it's literally play the events, score well, and you'll probably get the invite, and it breaks down eventually to Maple Hill. I think they're only taking the top, is it like 70 or 60-something? 60, I think. Yeah, 60 players that, uh, as far as points are concerned. I just think it'd be fantastic. I want to meet you in person. So I'm just saying play, play really good and play often and we'll see you at Maple Hill. Cause that's where we're out. That'd of. be we're a good of, goal. It sounds like, yeah, we're out of Leicester, Massachusetts here where the studio is. So like, if you make it here, we'll have you in person. We'll, we'll meet you. So that'd be great. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I played Maple Hill open 2015 was my last time there. I think. Nice. Very yeah, cool. Okay. I probably, I probably was in the presence of greatness and didn't know it, but <laughs> I was there. I live in Leicester. So, um, all right. Well, is there anything we missed that you're like, dude, if people only knew, I want them to know like ways to support you. Do you need that? Like what, what do people need to know about you that we might've missed anything? Um, I mean, you hit a lot of good points. Um, okay. Looking to just looking to get back out there and, and let people know who I am. Um, 
had a couple guys from the Disc Golf Pro Tour, Corey and Kevin, they were in town. They filmed a little documentary down here, part oh. of a series that the Disc Golf Pro Tour is actually doing. That should be pretty sweet. So thank you for bringing for that. that up. I yeah. saw this and I don't want to call it an advertisement, but I think that's what it was during a live Disc Golf Pro Tour event. I'm pretty sure I saw it. So tell us about it. Is a documentary coming out on you and your game? Is that true? Yeah, so the the Disc Golf Pro Tour is going to have a series of these documentaries about different players and their, uh, I guess, their what they've done for the game, their history in the sport and everything. And I was chosen to be in wow. one of those series, so it, it should be pretty cool. We, get, we filmed a lot of cool content, and uh, they're working on editing it now. So I think about five weeks' time, it should be coming out. Hell yeah. Very cool. Um, I want to say as we let you go, because we're really proud of the sponsors we have on this show, there's a product that you should definitely check out. It's called DG Max Wax. And I'm trying to get it to focus. There we go. And it is a okay. wax ring. I'm not putting you on the spot to say whether you want to or not, but I think you will. Uh, they also put it in what's called a, uh, I think, yeah, I always mess it up. Snapstick, not chapstick, snapstick. And it's, a, it's the same product in a snapstick container. It enhances your grip. So, and just sending you off we really appreciate you coming on the show a bunch uh we'd love to do it again keep up the good work out there uh and as i mentioned if you make it to the playoffs maybe i'll get to meet you in person i'll introduce you to my son and you can be some inspiration for him as well so we really appreciate it on the nick and matt show heck yeah i'm looking forward to it all right man, Thank you, man. appreciate it thanks for your time have a great evening thanks, enjoy guys. the boat <laughs> i will all right all right peace out peace bye all right, so let's let's finish talking about this great product, and then we can recap that interview. That was a that was a fantastic interview. This is going to go down as one of my favorites, I think, of all time. I, I will have to do that sometime. Re replay our favorites, but um, so this is the product, DG Max Wax. Everybody here has some of this. I use this anytime I have a question about my grip, which is not every throw, but it is a lot of them. And this snap stick fits right in my pocket. It's probably my favorite product they have, but it's the same one as the mini, which can be used as an official mini. Um, tell me about it. Nick, Evan, everybody just rave on because you know you like it. <laughs> okay. Everybody at once. They're all waiting. Well, who's say, who's going next? I didn't want to cut off Nick, Evan. Go for it. <laughs> uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, all you. All right, all right, it sounds good. Uh, so I have it actually, I got a grip bag. It's an A-Series one. And on the right-hand side where you could put a mini, that's actually where I hold my DG Max Wax, the little, the mini looking one. And so before every single drive, I'll dap it on my fingers a little bit before upshots, before putts. I always make sure that I have that good, comfortable grip of it. Um, lately, I have been noticing that I am throwing a little bit further in my game, which for me is super exciting. Wow. And so I've been what, loving four, the products. 410 feet now? Yeah, uh, we'll we'll say like three ninety eight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no. This I is coming no from someone who can't throw four hundred very easily at yeah. all, at all. But this product, it does give me that enhanced grip, which makes me feel like not that I'm going to grip lock it, but I'm able to get that last bit of power, which is almost that feeling you want of that like snapping out of your hand. I think I remember Sexton yeah. describing it that way. You want it to rip out of your hand. And mm -hmm. I think when you when you think about a product like this, you think it's going to stick on and you are going to grip lock it. But when you put it on, you, you feel that tackiness, but it does not feel like it's going to hold on. It, it feels great. It feels like you can, again, like Matt is being fully serious. You can rip it <laughs> out of there. It's awesome. 10% off at checkout if you use the code Nick and 
Matt. Uh, if it's not at your local retailer, you can help out DG Max Wax by asking your pro shop or whatever you get your disc to put it in the store. And if you do purchase online or elsewhere, review them on Google as well, too. It helps this product out a lot. They're supporting Nick and Matt Show. We want to support mm-hmm. them, and you get a great product. I mean, my dad got it. That should tell you something. He likes it. So, um, DG Max Wax. All right, let's go ahead and wrap that up. And Nick, it is time. It is time. That means, Ben, it is time. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Do, 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 do. This is the Discira discussion. <laughs> the Discira discussion. Nick, what are we going to talk about tonight? So the Discira discussion tonight will be about course design. Um, I think as the tour is evolving every single year, we're seeing a very large amount of tournaments that are being played on, from what it seems like now, a pretty different style of courses. Uh, you'll see a lot of former high-level pros kind of getting to the more course designing aspects of things in life. Um, Eric McKay being the most recent one, designing the Jones Supreme course and the Emporia Country Club one living out in Kansas. And then uh, Steve Brinster is also a course designer. Paul Macbeth has designed courses. Um, so there's a lot of pros that are actually going in. Simon Lazat and Avery Jenkins. Uh, Avery Jenkins with Disc Golf Park and Disc Mania. Massive course designer, John Houck. I mean, we, we we're playing... A lot of courses lately that are designed by professional disc golfers from the past. And so I guess the curiosity arises where we go from, let's say, W.R. Jackson a few weeks ago, which is a John Houck designed course. John Houck being one of my favorite course designers and relatively like not a lot of OB, no artificial OB really in the fairways. There's a couple of creeks that play OB on that course, but it's pretty much just play the course how he set it up. It's got beautiful wooded fairways. And then we kind of transition over to Emporia Country Club and the Jones Supreme where you're playing on old golf courses. And now we've added, or they've added tons of OB, tons of artificial OB. There's holes that, you know, players absolutely love. Like Evan was saying, hole 16 at Emporia Country Club is an incredible hole versus other holes. I know one of them that people were kind of giving us think about was either hole four or five at a boring country club and then hole 10 at Jones Supreme. Um, players were just kind of saying they weren't the best design hole. And the only one that I'm bringing up from Emporia country club. And I remember watching the coverage this morning, Nate Sexton. I think it's like a 590 foot par three and it obviously plays a little bit downhill, but just, I guess the discussion is what are you guys' takes on course designing and then adding in all the artificial OB versus you know, different land. I, I talk a lot, but I'm going to make this short and then I'm going to pass it off and let everyone kind of wrap this up. I say wrap it up, meaning like they can enhance the conversation. The question about artificial OB to me, because that's where I'm taking it right now. You asked that as a follow-up. Like people would say that Maple Hill has artificial OB. And when they say that, they mean like rock walls with ropes, um, island greens like hole 18. Um, in fact, there's a lot of out-of-bounds at Maple Hill that could be described as artificial. Some of it's water. That's natural. I'd consider that natural. But in general, I feel like if it plays to the lay of the land, so again, like a rock wall with a rope on top of it, it doesn't bother me like at all. But there's not really a big difference between laying it down with stakes and rope. I mean, it's in that sense, it's very similar. But just... I feel like a rope wall is like a part of the course. Uh, but some would say, well, no, like 
you shouldn't have to play with OB. Like the course should define and make the fairways, right? And so you could get rid of it on, for instance, like Maple Hill Hole 2, you could get rid of the OB. Mm-hmm. Because it's no, no one's trying to rip it up through the woods. Like you're going to get punished. Like it's it's thick and it's rough. But at the same time, I don't think it takes away from that hole. I like how it makes you have to be strategic about your throw and stay away from it. So long story short, Nick, when it comes to course design, I'm generally okay with artificial OB unless it is just everywhere. So go to like a country club or wherever where they just run ropes, right? Even USDGC a little bit. I just don't love it. I think it makes the play be better but I don't love it. I think the courses should generally be designed the way that they want to be. That's my take on course design with OB in play. Um, I'm opening this up to Evan now. Uh, I I would say I I do agree. I think Maple Hill does a good job where they use rock walls um, and they use the water. I'll say at um, DDO for the new Jones Supreme course, Eric McCabe and a landscaping company or whoever he was working with did a great job on hole one there, building up something where you knew you had to make it you could land short, but the other side was all OB surrounding it. And if that's the case as a viewer, I know where you have to hit. I know you want to land it on that green with landscape rocks. And it wasn't mulch. It was like kind of a rubber turf deal. But I know you have to land it on there. There was a few holes on Jones Supreme on the back stretch. I think it was 16, 15 and 16 or 16 and 17, which had kind of prairie grass. It was long grass. It was one of the hardest holes out there. I think like Albert Tom took a 14 maybe or a 10. A few other players got really high numbers uh, because there was a lot of OB and it was a tough shot. But as a viewer, I knew where you had to land. I could see that long grass and know, okay, don't land there. Um, the problem I have is on a few other holes at Jones Supreme and at the country club, you have a lot of holes where there are flags and if you're there in person as a spectator you can probably see the white line as a player you might easily see it from the t where it is but me watching you're through right. dgn i don't have a clue you're right unless i prep the course or i've seen it a ton of times that's a great point someone could throw a huge shot the camera's panning you're watching you're watching it i have no clue if it's a good shot or not i have no clue so the I player see- might not complain but the viewer has yeah and then i see it land and i have no clue if it's inbounds yeah. or out of bounds i gotta listen to the commentary yeah. who can do a great job covering that and you can see reactions and figure it out from there but then i just see a small little tiny little flag and i'm like okay i see the flag is that inbounds of the flag or out of the bounds of the flag and that's where I have a problem because I should immediately know whether it's inbounds or not. And Country Club does have a white fence running down a few of the holes, um, mm-hmm. which is out of bounds. I think that's great. If that's the artificial B is you putting a fence in or you mining a, um, not even oh, a rock right. wall like Maple Hill does, but a, a landscape perimeter, that is great. And USDGC last year did a much better job. They had longer grass. They um, They cut into the grass, like almost lined it like, took mm-hmm. a shovel mm-hmm. and lined it so you could see a marking where it was mm-hmm. with the white line. And I didn't have a problem last year with the USDC, USDGC, excuse me, with all the artificial OB. So I don't, as a course designer, Eric McCabe can go out there and make whatever he wants OB. What I do want is a team behind him who are making it good for the viewer on TV so we can mm-hmm. see exactly what is OB or not. The drone, the yeah. drone shots tended to enhance quite a bit of this as well, which was interesting. I think the true MVP this past weekend was the drone. Think of it. The winds they were having and the drones just like riding it out like a yeah, rock. Right. But I would say they also, and this is getting off topic a little bit, but view the course design and viewing areas, I think any course being put in currently like going forward, so like Eagles Crossing and others, 
if they have intent and plan to be on the pro tour one day or try to, right? That's their intention or their goal. That needs to be a part of their design because it's only going to get bigger and badder. And I'm thinking of WR Jackson was horrible and it's a major. I'm glad the event played out the way it did because it was exciting, but spectator that was, I don't want to say debacle. That's too negative, but it was just not good. They sold very limited passes. It was just like nobody could get on grounds to see it. It was good live experience, but mm-hmm. so I think that's important that that gets built into it. So, uh, Ben, do you have any thoughts on this? What do you think of course design? You've been in the sport for a few years. Um, well, first I want to shout out D Lillo. He super chatted for two shows in wow. a row. We didn't shout him out last show. So the, he's the reason why we get to eat lunch every yes. day. So we appreciate that. The Nick and Matt <laughs> the show. Pineapple. Oh, my appreciate bad. It. Hitting buttons and talking. <laughs> the pineapple pizza me and uh, Matt always get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my I'll, I'll just talk about you know ddl my experience as kind of a beginner watching it wasn't enjoyable that enjoyable to me as opposed to like wr jackson i liked looking at people like in a bad place and like having to throw these crazy up shots um with the constant ob especially with the wind it was just like okay he went ob up shot there we go instead of like you know it's not he was punished with a stroke, but he wasn't punished with like having to he or she having to do like a crazy scramble that kind of you know gets the blood a little boiling, like um as a viewer, I'd say. Yeah. In a good way. Blood I, boiling. That's an interesting uh point Ben just made. Is I think this is expanding a little bit, Nick, on the discussion you brought up, this Disgira discussion. Mm-hmm. Is I was, I found myself, and I'm not giving the reasons yet, I found myself going into this event eh, moderately interested, and then as the event started, and then day round two, day two round two, I was like, I'm not really interested. It's, and again, I'll talk it out here in a minute, maybe why. Round three, I'm like, I don't really want to sit down and watch it. I just don't really care right now. And then round four, it was just, it's my job to talk about it. I have another disc golf show as well. And it's like, I have to watch it. And I did. And I will say the FPO got kind of exciting towards the end, but the first three rounds, I was just generally like, I didn't really want to watch it. I don't think that was fully, I don't think that was course design. So we're getting off topic, but, but a great point, Ben, it was, it was kind of boring to Ben. So that's interesting. Yeah. What do you think? Nick? I think, yeah. So I think for me, Evan kind of nailed it perfectly and kind of my views of it. Um, the biggest kind of, comparison that i can make is fox run is my favorite course to play i rave about it all the time uh, beautiful grass fairways some great wooded holes but it's ob staked with these nice you know large white stakes and it kind of gives you when you're watching it on video you know you have a pretty good idea of you know whether that person just threw out of bounds or not you can kind of tell that you know all oh, across the stakes they're like a couple shots over this past weekend it's like wait is he in bounds or is he out of bounds and you have to wait for the commentary or like brian Earhart. which shout out to brian Earhart did an incredible job on on course commentary this past weekend mm. and he would say yep that shot did actually land ob so it was kind of t- like hard to tell as you're watching it and so my comparison is just like I, I love how Fox Run the manicure. It's got tall grass where it usually is OB. It's got the nice white stakes that are very very defining, especially on coverage. It looks pretty. So courses designed like that. I, I'm great point. One of the biggest things is 
course design is going to have to go to a point where it's got to be spectator friendly. It's got to be media friendly. It's got to be, it, it can't be the tightest wooded courses in the world. Like let's say um, the Delaware or Iron Hill. We can't have every single tour event be like an Iron Hill because spectators are WR Jackson. Like we just played, you're not going to be able to sell the spectator passes like you would. But at a course like DDO or the Emporia Country Club, at a tournament like DDO, you could sell hundreds, if not thousands, of passes because of how much room now there is at these courses for spectators. So I I do agree there should be a happy medium between, you know, and we kind of have it right now with the East Coast versus the Midwest and the West Coast. Mm. But um, I think course designing, Evan pretty much nailed it for video coverage, having that team behind, really solidifying the outbounds and making it. Uh, better for the viewers who are watching it online, I think is huge. Okay. I, and I think this was a great discure discussion. I think we wrap it up now and I, because it's taking a little bit of a turn and I want to take it this other turn. Maybe we can just keep it as like the extended yeah. edition, the Patreon version of discure discussion. <laughs> Nick, yeah, go ahead. Well, as I say, if we're going to end it now, don't forget to go to DiscuraDG.com for all your disc golf apparel needs. Uh, we have some really, really cool stuff in the works, but if you want to get a badass hat with a cool bar stamp or the bar stamp sweatshirt with my logo on the back, check it out, DiscuraDG.com. We also have some wicked awesome UPF gear that you guys will love wicked during awesome. the spring and summertime. Wicked awesome. It's true. Yeah. I'm glad you're on the show, Nick, even though you moved to Virginia, staying wicked awesome, things like that. Spread the love. I'll, I'll be back in three weeks. Yeah, we should we should actually tease that out right now. We're going to try and make Nick's coming back up to New England, Massachusetts. We're going to try to make a Nick and Matt show get together, which will probably on the be on the impromptu side. But Nick, about what week of May are you thinking? Is it like two weeks from now or what? The week. So Memorial Day weekend is usually what, like okay. the 27th, 28th, yeah. 29th, something like that. I'm coming the week prior to that so the monday or tuesday prior to that and then i'm staying for about two weeks i think so so maybe the week of the 16th or yeah maybe the week of the 16th so okay we'll look at that so we'll we'll yeah. try to announce what it on our channels or instagram or we're gonna try to do a get together and we yeah. haven't fully decided yet so i don't want to i don't know i see the owner in the course in the chat right now we're thinking about oh, going we're going to meadowbrook oh we are okay david chandler we're going in to the chat, owner of a new course up here in new england at an apple orchard uh, it's going to be a good time. I think that's what we're going to try to make happen. We'll make a bit. We'll try to make a big deal out of it. We'll see. One person shows up. We'll give you a good time. Okay. So let me just say, I want to wrap up on the thought of course design that's wrapped up. But for me, I was saying I wasn't fully invested in it. And it's probably, I'm just sharing my, my opinion. I might be feeling a little bit, not burnout, but I do two disc golf shows a week. I talk disc golf on two nights when they're not playing disc golf. And then when they're playing disc golf, that's two or three, or in this case, it was four rounds. And it's so much disc golf that we've gone through that coming up to this round. And then with it just being windy, I couldn't tell if I was watching good disc golf or not. I can see how the challenge would, would be fun to watch. But to me, I was just like, man, this is boring. Like a lot of, a lot of it. Uh, that's probably just my own issue. So I think the event itself was spectacular. I think DGN does spectacular coverage, incredible, impressive things with replays and multiple card coverage and everything else you want. Um, all right, wrapping that up, I'm going to give you guys a stat. Believe it or not, I did my own stat. Uh, what do we call it? Farming? It, it's like, I. what do you guys call it a stat, Mando, when people do stats and then they give it to you? Uh, I mean, research, maybe there you go. Is research department. Okay. Yeah. Research department. I don't get paid to do this for stat Mando, but I'm going to try to sell this one. Okay. 
here we go. I'm going to read it because read it, I, I have it written down here. There have been 20 events. Am I doing this right? <laughs> there have it. been 20 events where Paige, Kat, and Kristen have competed together in the same field. So that's the first stat or fiction. No. But that's 20 events where those three, Paige, Kat, and Kristen, I'm not talking about the rest of the field. I just wanted to say when these three, because I feel like arguably they're the top three right now, especially, okay? But that might not sound like much, 20 times, that's it. And that's including DDO. That is when you compare it to 184 appearances between Paige and Kat. So they've been doing this a while. Kristen's newer to the game with that field. But when you look at those events that I talked about where those three are present, I was curious how to know who was walking away with the victories when those three were in the field. The victory, not just, hey, those three are in the field, uh, Paige played better than them, but she didn't get the win. I'm talking about when those three are in the field, who's getting the win? So here's how it works. Out of those 20 events, Paige has seven victories, okay? Kristen just got her fifth. And Katrina only has three. Now, if you do the math there, that's only 15. So there's five others who have won at those 20 events. Five others, okay? And that's Bjerkis at Worlds, okay? Missy Gannon, I think that was Des Moines. Sarah Hokum, and I don't remember when that was. I don't have it written down here. Was that? No, that wouldn't have been vintage. Maybe, but I don't think so. Salonen, okay? She did that last year. Uh, again, I'm forgetting the event, but Valerie Mandahano recently. But here's the deal. Paige has seven. Kristen just got her fifth all time when that field's present. Now, you can't hold the wins that Paige did when Kristen wasn't there against her. Like, congratulations, Paige. But I'm, I don't want to say new era, but when all three of those are together, Paige has seven, Kristen has five. Now, here's where it gets a little bit more interesting. We're going to look at just the past 12 months. So 12 months, not just this season alone, 12 months. So just go back to last year, 12 months ago. You ready to hear these numbers? Because this is more like in the moment what's happening now. Do you have any idea of what it's going to be? I'll give you the number of events. 10 events. How many do you think go to, let's just say some of them. What yeah. do you think it leans? I mean, Kristen has four. <laughs> Good job, Stat Mando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Kristen, at, at those specific events, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's 10 total, so there's only six left. That's right. There's, and what do you do with them? Yeah, I mean, Katrina at least has Vegas. And then Paige has a couple. So here, you're, so, so you're right, generally. You, so four you, probably so has four, it. 433 or 442. Okay, yeah. so here's what's interesting is Paige has two in the last 12 months. Katrina has two in the last 12 months. And then we split up the others. Uh, Des Mo uh, yeah, I think it's uh, probably Des Moines Missy and, and Valerie. Yeah. Exactly. So that's two. Mm -hmm. Kristen has four in the last 12 months four when that field is present and that's ser that's serious yeah I, I know you talked about this before a lot of those were significant wins I mean Jonesboro was a blowout so here's the numbers on that you okay. ready hit me, with it. hit me with it <laughs> so she has a 22 stroke victory against the field over four events 22 strokes that's averaging almost six strokes five and a half uh, over the the rest of the field you go to Paige with her two wins she has a six-stroke victory over the field, so averaging three strokes. You go to Katrina, two-stroke victory over the field over two events. So you're talking, she now has double in 12 months what those other players have with that field present. I know we're saying a lot of qualifiers. Like, yeah. yeah it's a stat mando thing, too. You get it. Uh, yeah, you got to have it. <laughs> and, but she has 22-stroke victory. She's doubled them now in the win count when that field's pre present. And she has a 22-stroke victory, like, destroying. That's, like, three times, four times as much as Paige Pierce over the field. 
So is this is my whole thing, setting it all up. Is Kristen the queen of FPO? Like this 12 months and unarguably yeah. right now. What do you think, Nick? Yeah. No, I, I 100% think she's the best FPO player in the game right now. And do you feel like she's going to be that way like for the rest of the year? Oh, I, I think definitely, barring any injuries or anything like that. But I mean, when you look at the FPO players that we have right now, Paige Pierce has an incredible backhand and is a great putter. Katrina Allen is silky smooth, plays great on open courses and in the woods. And her putt has been looking a lot better than it has in years past. Neither of them have a pretty solid forehand, though. Paige has one that she can kind of use as a get-out-of-jail-free card, you know, uses it when she's in trouble. Kristen has an incredible putt. I think one of the best putts in the FPO, especially when it comes to actual, like, form of it. I think she has great form in her putt. She has an incredible sidearm. She can use it for power distance drivers, and she also throws a harp really well as her upshot disc. So she has a great forehand. And then she's an incredible power backhand player where she can tone it down in the woods. But she can also, wow, my hand looks really big on the screen right there. And <laughs> caught me off guard. And then, um, but she can also tone it down in the woods, but also has big power when we see courses like Jonesboro, uh, Emporia, excuse me, DDO. So, I mean, well-rounded player. Kristen, I think, is by far the best player in FPL right now. Um, but there are still, like, Katrina and Paige are both, incredible players who can win week in and week out but i think when it comes to an all-around game i think Kristen just has it on lock right now that she is the number one fpo player and if she wasn't traveling back to estonia right now we'd have her on the show sorry that's a good point that's a good point we did reach out she's traveling to estonia she couldn't make it on it will happen one day did this come out of i don't want to say nowhere but do you remember the discussions last year evan it was like you just rolled out their like ranking system and who was in number one? Evelina. Yeah. Does that does that make that ranking system look a little funky? Yes, but where was Kristen? Was that in the conversation for us? Were we like, yeah, no, Kristen's number one? No, Kristen felt like a clear number two after Evelina Salonen. And, yeah. then, and then Kristen came over la- that was kind of like early pandemic mm-hmm. when they when they weren't able to be here. And then Kristen last year had the killer stretch, but it was still like, well, we didn't see Evelina and, and mm-hmm. even Hannah Blomroos. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know. And coming into this year, I even had the take that I think a lot of fans in, in disc golf is this way because the, we doubled our size, like since the pandemic, let's say. People never watched Evelina and Hannah Blomroos. And so they see Kristen Tatar as this best European player, the only one who can really rival Paige and Katrina. And I was like, no, we got to forget about, we, we can't forget about everyone else. Haley King's on the rise too. Missy Gannon had yeah. an incredible season. I'm like, it's, it's anyone's game. I don't think it's Kristen Tatar as number one. And then this year has proved every like she she has not yet missed the podium in 2022. And also she's 67 straight non-major podiums. <laughs> That's unreal. 67 straight non-major, uh, which obviously the qualifier of no majors, but still that's crazy. Yeah. And I would agree. I think if you had power rankings, she is clear. Number one. I don't think there's a question. I and I think the greatest thing is if you told me who's going to win, let's say Kristen Tatar's here and didn't go back to Estonia and we have an event this coming weekend, I would pick Kristen Tatar to win. But I'd say the the percentage between her, Katrina Allen and Paige Pierce would be all kind of similar. It'd be like 40, like 30, 30, maybe. OK, um, but if you told me who had a better chance to be in the hunt, finish podium, like it's by far and away. Kristen Tatar, again, hasn't missed podium this year. Paige Pierce has now missed podium and back to back uh weekends 
Katrina Allen has also been a little bit up and down. I mean, she Katrina Allen's also been outside the top 10 after round one in three straight events. Um, yeah. She's come back to be in the top five, but my point being is she's kind of got off to slow starts, although Kristen did this past weekend as well. But uh, it, they've been a little bit more inconsistent, even though they can get the win almost as well as Kristen Tatar can. But Tatar has just been so much more consistent. But what would have happened, and so the numbers I gave you where she has four against their two and their two, what happens? She wins the major. Now she has five versus Paige's one and Kristen's yeah. two. So, like, it, mm -hmm. and we're talking, we all saw how that went down, the major. Like, it could have very easily, Kristen was in very good control to the last putt. And I know you could say, well, the same thing for Katrina at DDO. And it's true. As we know, the way things play out, we have to kind of give the win the nod, even though it's close. But you can factor in their performances to say if they're still in it or not. So here's a fun question. And I did this on my other show, not recently, not this last week. but We did this a few weeks or earlier in the season. Let's now give the nod to Kristen. This is not what we were doing in the beginning of the season. But let's give the nod to Kristen. She's number one. The poll in our live chat just agreed 100%. 100% agreed with that. So let's go with that assumption. Here's the fun. Who's number two based off of this season alone? Who's number two? What do you think, Nick? Who's number two on the FBO yeah, side? Yeah, yeah. I'd have to give it to Paige, <laughs> to be honest. I know she's had a couple lackluster events, but when it comes to kind of being a high-caliber player, um, as good as she is, I definitely think she still is number two. But I, it's funny because I almost want to put her and Katrina Allen in a tie. Um, the but wins I have, have them in Paige, a tie. What's that? The wins have them in a tie the over the last 12 months. Yeah. Over the last 12 months, yeah. yeah. If I'm putting literally, it's like Paige by 2% over Katrina Allen okay. right now. There's like Kristen way up here, and then there's Paige and Kat literally right there. Okay. Interesting. You have any thoughts on that, Evan? Uh, it's close. I kind of am leaning towards Paige as well. She obviously has the major this year and Texas States. Katrina Allen for at least years of majors just has Las Vegas. Katrina Allen was incredibly close to winning this past weekend, like just one small OB putt. And we could be talking about Katrina Allen might be the best. I know. Mm -hmm. So it mm -hmm. just all those little things could fall different ways. And, and again, go to my point that if I'm picking anyone to win in a perfect world, uh, Kristen's still here for some random event next week. I just, those three are so close that if you put Paige ahead of um, Katrina for number two, like, I don't think you're, I don't think it's a, like, no one can say you're wrong. Here's the here's the deal. If Katrina won DDO, then I go, it's not as like it, this is going to sound obvious, but this is how close it is, right? Cuz we're saying, "Oh, Kristen way up here." And I know our listeners can't hear it, but Nick had his hands off the screen pretty much. Is like if Katrina won DDO, we go, it's a lot closer. Then Kristen has 3 and guess how many Katrina has? 3 in the last 12 months as far as wins go. And we'd go, "Huh. I think it's hard to tell who's playing better." But the fact that Kristen gets the win and she had some dominant wins, we go, it's definite, it's obvious. And I agree with that. But then we're, it's interesting to say, but then we're saying, well, Paige probably still has second place when the reality is if we're talking just this season, it, I feel like, and this is the fun part of sports, right, Nick? I feel like I give the two to three to 4% to Katrina for this season. If we're talking mm -hmm. this season, it has been fun to watch. I would love to see players like Missy Gannon, Haley King, and mm -hmm. a list of others. I'm, I guess I'll just stop the list there. But there's a list of others who I'd love to see being much stronger in contention as well, including Evelina Salon and all these players that we know can do it. 
um, and I'm leaving off a whole bunch of great players because the FPO has become that exciting where multiple times this season I have felt more inspired and excited by FPO than I have MPO. And mm-hmm. there have been some exciting MPO as well. I'm not discrediting that. I'm just saying it's, it's pretty fun where we're at with it. I give the nod to Kristen as well. Let us know in the comments, the chat, if you disagree with any of that. Um, I'm just looking at our mixed bag of topics as we close out here. Stokely, Scott Stokely won a big skins match. We don't have him on the show, but we did earlier. It's it's cool to see him do things like that. I don't know the dollars, but I think we'll break it here. I think the rumor says he won like 15 grand or something at a skins match. Something like that. But we'll have to watch and see. He says one of his top five shots of all time happened at that event that'll be fun to watch yeah i honestly can't wait to watch that tomorrow when it comes out i think it's coming out tomorrow and i hate to bring up topics to people that we don't discuss but just so you know we're like thinking about these things we're in we're in the know i mean this is everybody's in the know with this one eagle mcmahon drops out because he is now injured he's getting rehab he's trying to figure it out he's got a lot of people telling him what to do but he is out and it's a interesting story that is continuing to develop for this season. Will we look back at the end of 2022 and say Eagle was a non-factor at all? And to this point, that's how it's been. And will it continue yeah. to be that way? It's crazy because going into this season, he was the hottest player coming out of last season. I feel like maybe that's a is that a hot is that a hot take? I don't know. Is that a hot take? He was the hottest player last year. Whoa. <laughs> fire <laughs> somebody put the fire out it was a hot take thanks for watching this point in the show everybody um i will say this um we'll wrap it up with that so unless anybody else has any closing thoughts we'll let nick take it away anybody else Did we miss anything no all right nick give it to us cool hey everybody thank you for tuning in this monday night this lovely evening uh thank you for checking out the show thank you for being super chatty in the live chat it's really really fun to kind of interact with you all uh, i want to give a shout out to our sponsors who sponsor the show um and just say look we got kind of a couple off weeks but we're still going to try to get some great guests onto the show we'll figure out all those things in the upcoming weeks don't forget to leave a like on the video currently we're at 81 let's see if we can pop it over 100 by the time that i'm <laughs> done doing my little spiel so uh go ahead leave a like um comment like subscribe all that good stuff i want to give a shout out to you all on instagram we popped over 2000 instagram followers ben's been killing it on judge that disc golfer on the instagram side of things so if you misjudge that disc golfer go on to instagram give us a follow at the nick and matt show and you'll actually be able to see a little bit more of it uh for the post audio podcast listeners can't wait to get this out to you guys it's been a really really fun episode learning about david wiggins and all the other players that we had come on tonight tell someone you love them this week Catch you in the next one. That's right. That's the way it works at the Nick and Matt show. So you're awesome, Ben. You're awesome, Evan. Peace out, everybody. The Nick and Matt show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.